Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Flex This. I'm your host, Jen Hoffman. Uh, I'm really stoked for today, not just because we're having delicious Oktoberfest and pumpkin beer, but um, I have Laura Panazzo on with me. And just to give you guys a synopsis, P and I were mad close, super best friends in, in college. We were roommates for multiple years. We hooped together in college. Um, and I'm really excited to re-engage with her because we haven't had conversations like this in a really long time. So I'm stoked to hear how these conversations in her world have impacted and showed up and um, what she's going to share with y'all today. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. You. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to give a, just a little bit of a background on you and like what you do just to give a context of where you're at in your life right now, how you got there, and then we'll get to get into it? Yeah. Um, so after, you know, Jen and I played basketball and had a great time in college, um, I then started my career in higher education admissions and recruitment, spent some time coaching some basketball at our alma mater, which was really, really fun. Um, and then ended up moving out to Baltimore, Maryland and took a job in law admissions. So I worked with law students. Um, so been working in admissions, have now moved on to nursing. So it's been about 13, just over 13 years, which is crazy to think about. I've been in Maryland about eight. Mm. Um, really loving it out here. That is part of my journey is, you know, leaving that home state and yep. finding yourself in a new place, mm -hmm. uh, but really enjoying coaching. Uh, so CrossFit, some Olympic weightlifting courses. So have done that as part of my journey and just kind of living life out here on the East coast. Loving it. I'm here for it. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's get into it. So first question I ask all my guests, um, what do you name this journey? If you have a name for it, uh, and how did you get to that language? I think when I first sort of came, became conscious that there was mm. this journey um, was probably about three years ago. Um, so I was probably about 33 and sort of realized that I did not know myself. I sort of lost myself in a previous relationship and really just had this moment one day where I thought, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I think we would have talked probably the, um, you know, my late twenties, I would have said I had it all figured out and I was great. And like, I knew myself um, mm. and I knew myself then because we don't know what we don't know. Right, um, right. But I think for me, it really was this sort of personal journey of really figuring out who I was by myself mm. um, and outside of expectations, outside of relationships, outside of you know, me trying to help people and, you know, it's kind of part of who I am. So it really was this, for me, just this personal journey that I call it of really figuring out who am I by myself at the end of the day, we, we only have ourselves, right? So am I okay with who I am and where I am um, and what I'm, you know, sending out to the universe essentially. Um, so yeah, I just sort of call it my personal journey. Um, and just, you know, trying to live that life, that authentic life, mm -hmm. who I am and being comfortable with who I am. Yeah. Which I think most women are probably trying to figure out. I think life. every human on this planet is trying to, <laughs> let, let's be honest, like even men, we don't give them a lot of grace. You know, we just put That's an expectation true. and title on that idea. What I really love is that you said that you became conscious of this journey, right? Because either mm -hmm. 
what is that quote? Only dead fish go down the river, but we're all the same damn river. So either you're conscious and you start fighting and swimming upstream and getting your own identity or else you're just floating and coasting. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering why life's passing by and why you aren't connected to the fish around you. And exactly you see all these other things, but you're not. Yeah. I think being conscious of it is so important because we're on it, whether you want to be or not, you're on the merry-go-round. Sorry. Right. <laughs> like we're all, we're on life. It's all happening. Yeah. So you Turns can out we're all here. Yeah. <laughs> we're here. And you know, and I think being conscious of there's a finite amount of time and am I willing to be unhappy and yeah, settling and just like going with the flow and not really standing up for what I need or believe in. And, you know, I think everyone sort of reaches that point where they're like, I can't do this anymore. I have to go on. I hope people reach that point. Yeah. Um, And I definitely did. And it just kind of hit me all at once. It was, you know, one random day where I just thought, I can't do this anymore. Um, and you know, when your, your heart feels tired, it's mm, just like, it's I, hot. I feel uh, that in my bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just like, I'm just tired. I'm mentally tired. My heart's tired. And I just, I have to do something to change. And it, it just, I can't keep, you know, kind of living life. Like I'm just above observing what's going on. I have, I want to be in it and be present. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird to think that like, oh, cool. I was like conscious of that, you know, I mean, I'm glad it kind of hit me, but yeah, it was probably only about three years ago where it really like kind of punched me in the face. It's, so you said your heart was tired. Can you say more on that? Was there like a specific moment that, or like an interaction or like, I think for some people, like an athlete, I think for us, it's an injury or like a, a milestone that you reach, then you don't feel what you thought you'd feel, or like there's there's usually a catalyst to that, right? So what oh, was yeah. that for you? So I was at that point, I was in a long-term relationship and it had been about seven years. Um, we moved to Baltimore together. I got a job first. So it was kind of, you know, I was sort of the catalyst of that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, lived together for five of those years, bought a house together, sort of really brought our lives together. Um, but we, we had some differences. We weren't married, um, which brought its own, you know, set of societal expectations and, Mm -hmm. you know, guilt and things like that. Um, and we just couldn't, we were off for a long time and, you know, relationships go through ups and downs and you communicate and work through that, but it was just about a year and a half of just talking and trying to figure out what's going on and just, I, one day it was, I will never forget. It was, um, right after 4th of July actually. And I just felt like I was just floating and he had asked me, are you happy? Or I asked him, I said, are you happy? And he said, yeah, are you? And I realized I hadn't even asked myself that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was so focused on like, I need to fix this relationship. I need to do better you know, I want to help him feel better, et cetera. I completely forgotten about myself. And it was the first time that anyone, even myself had asked. And I just said, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't be part of this. I can't think about living the next 50 years of my life in this and, and feeling like this. And that was really hard, um, you know, having to go through separating a whole, like, you know, almost a decade of 
being together in life (laughs) and yeah and just like mixing your your lives together but it I just in my heart knew that like I just I this isn't gonna (laughs) we're not right together this isn't we've been trying it's not working and I think you know I did get some pushback from people you know like you've invested all this time you know Mm. you know isn't that and I just it's like thanks for your opinions (laughs) which I didn't ask for Right. <laughs> but it's that inner turmoil that like yeah. I couldn't really communicate and you know and I you know I went and saw a counselor and you know really to help wade through all of that and unpack all of that yeah. um but yeah I was just tired like I just physically mentally emotionally like any possible thing that could be tired I was just tired and mm-hmm. I just couldn't Keep doing that and that's when I really you know met with a counselor which I fully support anyone going and doing um and just that like I didn't know who I was outside of this thing and that scared me yeah how do I not know who I am at 33 like that's crazy to me um and so that really started yeah. my journey I appreciate you sharing because I think it's a lot of our truths maybe maybe it's not 33 maybe it's 63 Maybe it's, you know, I talk about this a lot because of my own journey, realizing I was gay. Like Mm -hmm. you have all this inner dialogue, all these questions of trying to manage your inner world and then trying to understand it and how it is in context to your outer world and knowing something's wrong, knowing something's off, which is a lot of what you sound like you're describing of what is, what is off. And um, especially as women, I don't think we are our society doesn't give us permission to ask the certain questions of, are you happy? What do you need? Mm-hmm. How can you take up space? How do you mm-hmm. want to take up space? You know, exactly. I, um, I was listening to a podcast this morning, actually talking about that, about women having to smile. And um, it's a communication podcast, which was really interesting. But she said that the, uh, which I highly recommend Stanford does this, their graduate school of business does this whole series on communications um, and how to be a really good communicator. And they always end with who is somebody you really look up to. And this person said uh, Kamala Harris. And her reason was, is that she has perfected the art of using smile against society, political, and all our ideas of norm is that she shows up unapologetically and has a different smile for every scenario. And I never thought about it until then because that is a language. It's a, it's a form of communication. And really, you know, when, when you like to go to what you're saying, I love the comparison with that because you're taking up the space of how you want to smile, how you want to show up, how you want to feel. And maybe it is a half smile because I'm just not here for this shit and I don't have time for your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but it's true. And I love that because there is, and oh God, we could go off on all sorts of societal expectations of women, but I felt very caught up in that. You know, there was a part of me that, you know, would go out and hang out with groups of people um, because I felt like that's what I needed to do. And I wanted everyone to like me. So I was over the top friendly and smiling and like, you know, outgoing when inside, I was just like, I would rather be at home. (laughs) Can I be home in a book? Stop talking to me immediately, if not sooner. Yeah, yeah. But like that's that's part, but that's also going through that journey and realizing that that's who I am, that I'll default to that of making sure that everyone else is comfortable, making Mm. sure that everyone else has what they need. 
Yeah. And then, you know, completely forgetting about myself. Yeah. The people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is somehow automatically asked of women, regardless. Mm-hmm. And I think you make, you make a valid point too. This is something I've been wrestling a lot. Um, so anybody listening to the season, you've probably heard me talk about this a couple of times because I'm still trying to understand it. But um, so we're almost 40 bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> woo-hoo, here we are. Uh, <laughs> we out here. Oh, no, no. I need more beer for that. <laughs> uh, salute. <laughs> um, which is wild to think about because we met when we were 18, and then you're like, who would right? you, who you think you are at 18? And even like college. College is like, hey, why don't you pick a degree when you're barely not even an adult person? You can barely, you don't even know how to act, like shop for car insurance, but pick a degree, mm-hmm. put some money into that, invest into that, and then pay those loans back in a way that makes sense to you when you don't even have the tools to ask those questions, which is a whole nother. Like, right. Oh, back. yeah. But um, <clears throat> what I think is really interesting about being a millennial woman, multiple, multiple parts. One. We are on this cusp of knowing uh, an era without internet and an era with it. Oh, yeah. So, so we have accessibility to women that have defied odds. And yet we're still stuck in this place of a society that's like, okay, well, that's, you know, cool for Kamala, but she'll probably never be again, right? Like, of this, how do we honor the first and yet normalize it so much so that it's not the last and yet right. still honor? her being you know the first female vp at the same time it's kind of like a back and forth dichotomy that you have to wrestle that's one so the Mm -hmm. internet no internet like i just just talked to my buddy last week about it you know when we were kids if you wanted to look something up you couldn't just google it you had to like take your ass to the library and you you (laughs) had to go find a book like you couldn't just google (laughs) i don't even remember people really having laptops even really like until like our senior year no one had computers like we had nextels oh my god we had nextels (laughs) Remember we would just like chirp each other. Chirp each other. Not even yeah. say anything. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, how ridiculous! You gave you gave children walkie talkies that were also cell phones <laughs> with the texting right. women. Um, oh my god, I went over that all the time. <laughs> yeah, always. Um, and then, and then at the same time is like all the societal norms of what I hear you describing too, of trying to decide what is, what is my true identity and what is the identity that is oppressed upon me? You know, being with somebody for a long time often is why aren't you married? Why aren't you having kids? Why aren't oh, yeah. you doing this? And, you know, I'm not straight. So I don't know that, that journey of what it's like to have people making assumptions of, but there is, there's like the, the Christian standard, which had mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, uh, religious rules inside of it of why people got married as quick as quickly as they did there was just a lot of stuff inside of that right it wasn't right. just i know i'm in love and and yet <laughs> yet we changed and reframed that to present it as if it was fairy tale love and so mm-hmm. i think our generation is like first of all that's a lie y'all cinderella right. is a lie that's a lie <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen um I'm getting off track here, but there's a uh, Instagram called the female lead and it's, it's lovely. It's all feminist, beautiful stuff. And they actually have 
all of the the princesses meeting with a psychologist or a therapist unpacking really? and it's really interesting so one of them like is like little mermaid and she's like and so you changed your entire identity to be with this man and so it like <laughs> takes the the moral of a story from disney characters and then presents an open-ended question of why we thought that was ever love right. to begin with all in an hour and a half in an hour, yeah <laughs> if i just become a human this will be fine right <laughs> if i just use this fork properly and not to brush my right. hair i will the dingle like... hopper <laughs> i think you're out this dingle hopper i'm totally gonna find love and marriage <laughs> with my lobster friend and my flounder <laughs> yeah but that's like that's the crazy shit right mm -hmm. so like here i am in this seven-year relationship and i'm on this fence of like you know people even my own parents saying why mm -hmm. aren't you, you going to be married what are you doing you know when you gonna have kids and this other side of the fence where I'm like why do I gotta why do I have to do this at a certain age I don't even want kids like what yeah why is that so there's this it's so hard and you know and there's so many other things in life that make your life hard and really you know make forging this path hard because you have all these other opinions constantly coming at you whether it's the media whether it's your own friends and family and yeah. so it really became this point of like I'm trying to hold the weight of all of these opinions and hold up, you know, this relationship and try to work. And it just became so heavy. It became yeah. heavy. And, you know, I think I, again, I hope that people reach this point where, you know, unfortunately I had to sort of hit rock bottom of just like mm -hmm. completely not knowing who I was, what my life was before I could actually start rebuilding. And I think when I look back, I, you know, that creates such a beautiful soil to have that growth mm -hmm. of just knowing this is where I was. And I know I don't want to go back to that. So we got to figure out internally mm -hmm. what's going on, who I am, unpack all of these years of, you know, people telling you what to do and, um, you know, try to figure out in this new world, you know, what that is. And, you know, I know we've talked about this. I adore the younger generation. I know I'm a millennial. I know my skinny jeans are out of style. I get it. I changed the part in my hair to the middle. <laughs> style, all of you. But I do. I think their ability to just not put up with shit. You know what I mean? And just like call people out and call things out. I'm like, I do that. I adore that. I still feel that very generational pull of like, you're a female. You are nice. You are quiet. You have your place. And, yeah. you know, I try to fight against it. And it's just, you know, years of just, yeah, you're unpacking, you know, we're 30 something years old, almost 40, and you're literally <laughs> taking every movie, every, the way women were, kids are, girls are educated when we were kids, the, what we were right. allowed to play, what we're allowed to wear, the color of the, you, you are unpacking all these biases that we didn't even know were being shoved down our throat. And it is a heavy burden to carry. And I think there's a difference too of like knowing when the burden is trying to that you're, you and your partner are mutually carrying that burden mm -hmm. because you're going in the same direction versus you're just carrying the burden because this is what you're supposed to do. And, right. you know, what I like that you said about hitting the rock bottom, one, I do think that's necessary. I think we all mm -hmm. have that in some capacity. And I, I do agree with you, this younger generation coming up, they were just given a lot more variation of humanity that we just didn't get. So now you get yeah. to find parts of yourself everywhere. And maybe this podcast really is for the millennials that are trying to figure out <laughs> who am I? Because what do I do with all these norms that I learned that I know don't serve me? And yet all these opportunities that I don't even know what to do with, like, 
you know, the spectrum of, of gender and the spectrum of, of sexuality and that we all, even if you're super straight or super gay are still on that spectrum. We are because who you are in the morning isn't who you are at the end of the day. What you want to eat, what you're attracted to, it is perpetually in flux. And what mm -hmm. is dumb is that we pretend like it's all compartmentalized and that it doesn't cross over and it's not intersexual. Like the, it is, mm -hmm. it is completely intertwined. And if you aren't available to not available. If you aren't given the tools to start unpacking those things in real time, to take pause, to say, is this me? Is this the room energy-wise? Is this real day what I believe? Or is this a belief that I have bought into that I didn't realize I had? Because the other part too, is that some of these things will take time to undo mm -hmm. and you have to be available to see them. And so some of them, that, that might be really easy at 23. And then right. it keeps like knocking on your heart, knocking on your heart, knocking on your heart. And then all of a sudden you're 53 and you're like, holy shit. That's why I've had that tension there <laughs> the whole time. Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and to offer yourself grace. Like I think about fitness like this a lot too, is our bodies are ever adapting. So what you need to do when I was playing football, I was, you know, squatting 300 pounds. I don't ever need to be squatting 300 pounds ever again. I don't even know why anybody let me besides the fact that I could put it on a record board or something. And, and like, that's all this like cultural ego of like right. false achieving, right? Achieving mm -hmm. at what cost? Achieving mm -hmm. and for, and for who? For, for identity. And like how yeah. often for women are we competing? And then, and then this is a whole nother thing not to go down the rabbit hole, but then it's like, if, if you're authoritative and clear in communication, now you're a bitch. Yep. But if you're not clear and you're trying to be, you know, the, 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 the Democrat in the conversation, now you, you don't know what you're talking about and no one will take you seriously. Yep. Yep. It's like, you can't win. Yep. Well, and then this is where, you know, I think it, and this is where I've had to do a lot of, cause I just, you know, as I've, progressed in my career and things like that and you know you start interacting with higher level management and things like that I've had to really try to be more confident in myself that I know what I'm doing that after 13 years like <laughs> I know what the hell I'm doing mm -hmm. and so and just like you said you know especially as a woman trying to walk into a room and luckily now mm. I work in a field dominated by women so but that comes with its own confidence, you know, issues too. Um, but mm. really trying to walk in and say, you know, and not say, but present myself of this is who I am. I know what I'm doing. This is why I'm in this position and let's get work done. And that's very hard for me. Um, and, you know, that's and much like, you know, as you just said, you know, when you're working out and that your whole physical well-being, I went through the same sort of roller coaster. And when I think back to the times that I was really competitive and I wanted to lift the most weight and I would think about my times and my scores and, you know, what I was lifting compared to other people, I realized that was, that was almost like a bell going off of like, there's something else going on. Yeah. You are trying to control your life. Yes. You're trying to control your life so much in this world and it has now become your worth. And oh, gosh. yes. That looking back, I think that's because I was so miserable in other parts of my life. And that was the one thing that was under my control. And so mm -hmm. I was going to make sure that whatever that was, I was going to be the best at, because then that gave me some sort of happiness. And I think back and I'm like, how did I have friends? 
this is awful, <laughs> but... <laughs> How do people tolerate me? Why do people like me? But, um, you know, and that goes to having, you know, a great community and whatnot. But but that's like people tie. And that's a lot of what I've had to unpack is like knowing who I am, what my worth is by itself and standing on what I have and not what I wish I had or what I'm even working towards. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to be working towards things. Um, but also like knowing that, that it rises and falls, you know, there's yeah. peaks and valleys to even that journey of, you know, I actually was <laughs> texting one of my friends earlier, you know, going back to the whole Disney thing, you know, I said, I think I have a really romanticized view of life sometimes, mm. especially mm-hmm. in relationships, because I think, you know, first experiences with partners, you just have this idea, right. That it's going to be a movie and you're like, this is great and perfect and I'm like you gotta stop watching lifetime movies because it's <laughs> making things kind of bad um yeah you know and and that's as someone who you know is very feeling centered you know I want I like being able to have that good feeling associated with memories you know yeah mm-hmm. and it sort of like swallows up my logical brain when I'm like life isn't always like this yeah <laughs> Yeah. It's okay for things to just you for you to just go about things, and it's not always this high of yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, some magical moment every day. Um, yeah. You can find that in the smallest ways, and it's not this big, you know, celebration all the time. Um, and that does, yeah, go. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize. I don't remember. Your parents met pretty young too, right? College sweetheart. Yeah, my parents are high school sweethearts. That fucked us all up. Like, <laughs> right? Yes. Can we talk about that? Because but seriously, I agree. But seriously. So I read a really empowering book that helped me understand and normalize that what my parents had, your parents had, actually is not even remotely normal. So um, <clears throat> Aziz Ansari has this really great book called Modern Love. Have you read it? No, but I'm writing it down right now. Um, I've, heard, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. So what it's really, it's so he, him and, so he loves anthropology and human behavior. He's just totally fascinated by it. So him and this anthropologist just interview all these people about relationships, long-term, short-term. And it goes all the way from like, you know, people that got married in the thirties versus how we date now. And he does multiple cultures. Like Japan is a really interesting dating culture. If you even want to call it a dating culture, it's just really interesting in general. Anyway. Something that I have learned as a woman, and this is, and I I guess you have this knowledge of when you say being a 37 year old woman um, in America and the ideas of what you can have, there's so much more context that I don't necessarily always bring forth. Mm -hmm. One of those parts is what he describes is relationships for women. At that time, and probably arguably close to when our parents were in high school, women didn't go to school. Mm -hmm. And most, no, all neighborhoods were segregated either by redlining and other such things. So you Mm -hmm. lived in your neighborhood based off of the immigrant family and religion you grew up around. Mm -hmm. As a woman, your only option to leave your house was to get married. You didn't have education. You didn't have a lot of choices. So what he did in one of his, one of his research parts of this was how do people meet at 17 and end up being married for 75 years? What happens? how do arranged marriages work? Like some arranged right. marriages that people actually totally become infatuated with each other and 
they really had no business even probably meeting to begin with. And what is our culture getting wrong where we think if I put in all these toggles of what I think I want, right? Like um, five, nine, not five, eight, five, nine, (laughs) blue eyed. Like we have like these very specifics inside of our apps. What are we missing? Because we think we know what we want. And then our great grandparents didn't have a choice at all, especially if you're a woman. And what I find really interesting about that is one, the opportunity. And this Mm -hmm. is where I think the millennials, again, I know I'm going to toot our horn all day, but (laughs) this is where I think is really lovely about our generation is that we have both the understanding of our grandparents, parents of that, of this idea that you didn't have choice. And we also see the paralysis by choice that the younger generation has. Mm -hmm. And that because you're overwhelmed by like, for example, my gay story, I am who I am, not because other women looked like me. I am who I am because I had to find it on my own. And because I had to find it on my own, I am unapologetic and unwavering in who I am, but it took work. And mm-hmm. I'm not, not saying I'm not grateful that the younger generation has a large expanse, again, that spectrum of humanity, both from gender, sexuality, relational, the age of what that means. You know, you, you don't need to get married at 22. You don't need to get, you don't need to get married. You don't even need right. to get married. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't just, want it? Don't do it. Don't do it. Do you, boo boo? Like that's what. But make sure it's what you want, right? And right. I think that's right. really interesting about this whole spectrum. Is as millennials, we're sitting on the cusp of both coins, of where we can see the benefits and the deterrence of both sides. And what's really interesting about relationship, again, especially as women, is our options were very different. And something I'm learning too is like, you know, a lot of identity things were things you were talking around for a woman we're not around a career. We're not around being in a healthy, equal, productive partnership. It was about, does your husband have a meal when he gets home? Are your kids in T-ball? Are they getting, edu- do, you ha- do you have kids? Like right. all these things, you know, it's such a taboo for people to talk about, like, do you even want kids? Mm-hmm. I don't even think, I'm going to be honest with you, I still have a hard time having that conversation because I don't know. The older I get, it seems like no, but I don't (laughs) actually know because I thought I wanted kids so deeply. And And I do like being around them. It's not that I don't like being around them, but I don't know what I actually want. And I can see all the ways that society was like, no, this is what you do. This is what gives you value. What are you going to do when you're 70 and you don't have children to hang out with and grandchildren? Um, Go on vacation with my friends. Who's going to take care of you? Yeah. Who's going to take care of you? I'm like, I got nieces and nephews. Like, it's fine. But and even like, if I didn't, I I'll figure it out. out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Figure I will it out. figure it out. Right. And no, the empowerment yeah. that women can figure it out. Right. Yes. Yes. And I, I think it's so interesting you bring up that point because I remember specifically, I was driving back to Boston. I was on a work trip mm-hmm. after my relationship blew up. I left whatever. And my dad called me, my dad and I are very similar. Um, and I, I think about the same thing. I'm like, man, I thought I would meet who I was supposed to meet in college and be married and things would be great. And I, yeah. not to say my parents didn't have their ups and downs because they absolutely do. Um, you know, but that's where I, honestly, that's why I stayed in that relationship for seven years. I was like, you work at a relationship, you put in the work, you don't just leave at the first sign of it getting hard. And, you know, I remember my dad called me and he said something I'll never forget. And he said, maybe you guys just weren't compatible in your strengths and weaknesses. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we liked a lot of the same things, all this stuff. And he said, no, 
you want your partner to be strong where you're weak and you want you to have those strengths where they're weak so that you can balance each other out because you want to learn things from each other as you go through a relationship. And I thought that's really interesting because where I was weak, he was also weak. And so Mm. there were things that just broke down and not to say that's like, you know, yeah, the science, right. Right. Science of relationship, Laura Pernazzo. A memoir. I have it all figured out. <laughs> a memoir. Your certain weaknesses must collide. Full stop. Yeah. But it, right. Done. Perfect. You're um, welcome. <laughs> but he put it in like a very, he said, you guys, you know, I think you just hit a wall. Like it was going to, that's where it was going to go based on who you were and the tools that you had. Like, yeah. you know, and we just couldn't get it together and that's fine. And he's a great person. We're super happy for each other. Like, you know, it's, there's no, there's nothing, you know, there's no, um, you know, dislike there, but it, it, that really caught me off guard. Now, as I think about, okay, which, you know, I have to say what I do love about being older and now being in a new relationship is that I do know myself a lot more and I do have those clear non-negotiables yeah. and I do know like what I need in a partner and it's a lot clearer and I can communicate those. And so it is something that I've kind of carried forward with me is like, I know that I can be very like, Oh, we'll just do whatever you want to do. And I need someone that's like, what do you want? What do you need? And I need someone that can kind of push me in that because it's very easy for me to just slip into like, Oh, we'll do whatever you want. Like, and like, I hate, (laughs) I don't say I don't, I don't hate that about myself, but it's something that I continue to work on. Um, but it's something I do think about, um, you know, does this person going to help teach me about setting boundaries or doing whatever? Um, mm-hmm. And am I able to teach them something, you know, maybe to be more in touch with their feelings or talk about them more, whatever that may be, yeah. you know, and I think that that's important that you have sort of that, that teaching and learning mm-hmm. dynamic in a relationship. For um, sure. And I didn't know that, you know, right in my late twenties. So yeah. Kudos to being almost, you know, staring down 40 and knowing a little bit. Yeah. Give me 30s all day or day. I never. I agree. Salute. (laughs) I do not need to be 20 ever again. You know, I was actually thinking about this. So when I reached out to you, I realized we hadn't talked in a minute and we were talking about hero's journey and stuff, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. um, and if you're willing to go down this path, I would like to talk about this because so P and I were really close to college. And then I don't know what happened. I don't think anything specific happened, but you just fall out. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're on this growth journey, it's hard to differentiate. Like, did I do something wrong? Did I change? Did they change? Did they do something wrong? Was something, especially if you didn't have tools to navigate conflict, did, did we not address something that needed to be addressed? And, um, you know, I reached out to her and was just thinking about some things like that because I was thinking about people in high school and like, this isn't good, bad, or otherwise, but some people have never stopped being friends with high school. Maybe they are growing in the same direction. I don't know, but I just, I don't have that. So I don't know that. Right. Mm-hmm. And all I know is when I go back home, all in a lot of ways for me, it just reminds me of how I've grown and even more exactly. of what I need to heal and more of who I don't want to become. And mm-hmm. that's not bad. It just is information on my journey. And, yep. um, that's why I was so excited for this conversation because we haven't really spoken in years, mm-hmm. like a long time. I think the last time I saw you in person was probably was in Pittsburgh. Least, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you the, made me, 
I met oh you at, <laughs> you put me through a the worst camp. workout. <laughs> I thought I was going to throw up. Here I was, I was in shape and I'm like, oh my God, I hate body weight. <laughs> and I got lost because Pittsburgh's just the most confusing city yeah. on the planet to drive. All the around. bridges ever, every bridge mm-hmm. ever. I think we have more bridges than Venice, Italy. Um, yeah, no, I'm serious. It's like bonkers. Like you can't get to one side of the city without having to cross a bridge. You yeah. can't even get from one side of the city or to downtown and then to the other side without having to cross two bridges. Like it's just, there's multiple bridges everywhere. No. And signs come up so fast and exit lanes. Yeah, you don't have time. It's like, hey, <gasps> oh, like the tunnel, you drive through the tunnel and, it, and you, you're like, oh, that city's so beautiful. But you have five choices to make right now. Do you want to go north, south, east or west? Make it now. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> And the signs are like in in the rafters of yeah. like oh the bridge. My God. The bridge. Jesus. Send a Hail Mary. Oh, oh I guess I'm going left. <laughs> I'm like, I guess I'm taking a whole loop around Pittsburgh to get back to where I gotta go. <laughs> I'll just drive into the water. I hope my car can float and it'll turn into a boat. It'll be uh. fun. Yeah. Um, but so I, I was wondering if you'd be willing to share your own experience of what it's like to not walk away from, but move along in this journey, come back to some things that make sense to you, trying to understand, do they still make sense to me? Does this just reflect where I'm going? And maybe I see you, honor you, thank you for what you offered me, but also no thank you, the boundary piece. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're willing to share any of that, because I think the adult story, and to give a context of where I'm going with this, I, going back to our parents, where I grew up, pretty much all my aunts and uncles lived near each other. They didn't mm-hmm. really leave Michigan. I think only one of my aunts left Michigan. My mom has one sister. She was military, so she bounced around a lot. But the idea of family, the idea of community was something that I touched on a little bit with like Aziz Ansari's book of like, our families kind of stayed in the same place. And you, this is what you do for family. And this is what you do. And like, I think, our, again, our, going back to how this journey is, is starting to recognize, man, some parts of family don't serve you. Some parts Mm -hmm. of who you became, you're grateful for, but I don't want to be there anymore. So I I don't know if you're willing to talk about that in your own journey. Yeah. Um, I think that it's so funny because I think when I think back about our past, I think they ended actually did end up very similar. Um, You ended up leaving Michigan Right out of college. Yeah, right out of college. And Mm -hmm. I stayed and I stayed at our alma mater and I worked there for five years. And I think that there was so much a part of me that felt so wrapped up in Michigan. And I knew, Mm -hmm. I did know because, so my mom's family grew up around where I grew up um, and they all pretty much stayed. And my dad's family's from the West side and a lot of them are there. And I've just had like two random uncles that have kind of moved out. So very similar. Like everyone's there, everyone hangs out, everyone knows everyone's business. Yeah. All of that. All the stuff. business. Yeah. And <laughs> all the business, all the tea. Um, and yeah. you know, going to college and being about an hour and a half away, I liked that separation and I didn't really understand why. Um, and there was that sort of like, I feel like I'm missing out on things, but I like being away. Yeah. But I feel like it took me a little bit longer to know this place isn't serving me anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can reach what I need to reach. And I don't even know what that is yet, but I, I know it's not here. And mm-hmm. I, so I knew that moving was eventually gonna happen and I feel much better about that. 
But I also think I've thought about this too in relation to, you know, people that I've known um, and people that I've been close with in college and things like that. And same thing with high school. Like I talked to one person that I went to high school with and we went to school since we were kindergarten together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that too. I'm like, wow, am I just like a really bad friend? Like, do I not know? Like, yeah. Jesus. Like, am I just a turd? Do I, <laughs> do, did I like have bad blood in all these relationships? I remember one time we, we spoke, I actually texted you specifically and we hadn't talked for a minute. I think this is actually right when I first moved to California, we just reconnected for the first mm-hmm. time in like years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did I do something wrong that I don't know about? And you're like, no, just text them. It's totally fine. I'm like, this is weird. Like adulting's hard. You, oh, cause you have an assumption that kind of like your relationships, not that you don't work at them, but this like fairy tale idea of like, oh, we were all friends in high school. We were all friends in college. And that's just gonna by itself translate into adulthood. And that will right. be each other's godparents and get married and do all the things. Right. Well, and I think about that too. I'm like, how can I have these adult relationships now with people? Yet it's, you know, it's been harder to sort of maintain those college ones. And I, you know, I thought about this. I'm like, there was this expectation. I mean, we lived together. So we saw each other literally every day, going yeah. to practice. We were in the same major, oh, going yeah, to every true. freaking yeah, class together. <laughs> same major, same team, roommates. All of that. So we traveled together. We would drive to Kentucky to go watch a yeah. track team. Like, in Florida. Um, yeah. Like, so there were these things that we just were in each other's lives, like daily. I mean, you yeah. can't obviously can't do that when you're living in different states That's and you true. start working and like, right. you can't sit there. And we really weren't of that text generation either. Right. Yeah. Like we didn't have that relationship mm-hmm. where we were sitting there texting because it yeah. didn't really exist. No, you um, had to pay extra per oh character. Oh God, it was expensive. Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, That's why we so, chirped on the next time. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me up. I got to chirp. I got to hit her back. (laughs) Remember like chirping people in the middle of class? Like, does this idiot have their phone on? Oh, they do. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, But, you know, so I think about that and I'm like, man, we just like, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I, I don't feel like anyone has done anything particularly like where I would write them off. Like it, you have to really, yeah, you'd have to really like do something bad. Like, not a lot makes me actually mad. Um, so I, I think about that too. Like I'll get in touch with Rob and, you know, we'll, we'll catch up and things like that. And, you know, I think that's where I've had to get more comfortable with myself because I like to, the other part of me though, I'm finding out in this journey, I like to be needed. Mm. (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, I always tell people like, just come to me with your problems. Yet I have a hard time doing that in reverse, which is right. a whole nother thing. But anyway, but, you know, I tell people I'm also like a cat. Like, I don't need a ton of attention. You know, I'll just come out. It, yeah. <laughs> I'll come in out my box, like, give me water, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. Like, you know, people could text me out of the blue. I have a, I do have another friend from high school. He'll text me every like year or so. And she's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, great. How are you? <laughs> How's the family? Um, and I think there's something actually really cool about that mm-hmm. because there is no, you know, expectation that you have to communicate, you know, and on a certain timeline or a certain amount of times, it, it can really be like, Hey, just thinking about you. Um, remember X, Y, Z. Remember when we had next cells? Um, yeah. You know, things like that. And like, 
so I love that. And like, I still do want to come up. San Diego is like my favorite freaking city in California. Like mm. I still want to come out. And if I get there, I'm going to, you better believe I'm going to be texting you like, dude, yeah. where are you we going? Spare room if you're hanging out. <laughs> Let's go get some beer. Um, 450 yeah. breweries. <laughs> I know I need to go back out there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like that's, I think that's such a weird thing about navigating Adult relationships. relationships. Mm-hmm. Cause like, yeah. And I think just, God, the whole technology thing just yeah. really screwed us up. Cause we just didn't have that. We saw each other and yeah, you know, we didn't learn how you communicate mm-hmm. without that, you know? And that's, I, I, I thought about that recently of like, I need to be better, but I just, don't necessarily think I'm a great texter anyway. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. Multiple things just popped up in my head because one, um, you're right, in proximity, you know, we were roommates for three years, two years, three years? Two years. And then we played ball together. Mm -hmm. And then, like, even then, when we lived in the dorms, we weren't far from down the hall and we spent all our time together, but we didn't have any obligations to do anything else, right? We didn't go to a very big school either. So it was really easy to hang out. We were the same major. That's a really good point about proximity. The other part mm-hmm. is the technology is how do you take the skills of proximity and look at where there might be alignment where we might be on the same journey moving forward, right? Like, cause I, I have checked in with people and you're like, wow, we are not in the same place. Yeah. I'm glad you're healthy. You're good but I don't see anything happening here moving forward. Yeah. Glad we did yeah. this. Probably not again. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That could be for a, a multitude of reasons, right? Like you just don't have the same values anymore. Um, you can throw in political beliefs, a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. And again, going back to Google, we have everything at our fingertips. So you have all <laughs> these reasons to find why you might not like somebody. <laughs> and people are very okay with posting them. Yeah. <laughs> publicly. I, would, I heard somebody say the other day that Facebook is like the, the um, boomers Instagram. Oh God. And that TikTok <laughs> is the millennial um, Instagram. Yes. I know so many people our age and older there on TikTok and love it. And I'm like, it's just fine. It's just fine. Right. Which mine never took off. That was, it mine didn't. was too early. They were too it early. Was too to early. It was too early. I do love mm-hmm. me some Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Never got into Twitter though. I have to have one for work and I just, I can't, I can't get, I don't get it. Everything's too fast. Like it just feels like you're shooting from the hip. It's just a bunch of people yelling at each other. It's like yeah. being at a frat house. I'm just not interested. Like, no, like yeah. But like 24 seven. Yeah. Like, you don't get to leave. Like ever, <laughs> I'm always like that. <laughs> There's just new crap coming at you all the time, and you're like, don't even know what to do with it. Yeah. yeah. And is it useless? Is it useful? I don't know, but it's here. And then it just changed because data. And now we're on to another thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think you know those are. Oh God, those are like. Because every time we've caught up, I'm like, oh, like it's off, like we should really talk. And then life happens, you know, work and, you know, different times, like all of that stuff. But that's, I mean, I think, you know, if anything, I try to tell people, like, I can totally understand life happens. And I can Mm -hmm. totally understand that sometimes you go off on paths that aren't right for you. And you come back and like, I'm going to be here. Like I am Mm -hmm. someone that's like, whatever you need, you could be on the East coast and be like, P I need you. I'm in DC. And I'd be like, where are you come down there? You know what I mean? Like it's 
like I would totally do that for you know so many people that I that I have in my past but I don't you know catch up with weekly or monthly or things like that but um yeah and I think I think I've had to learn to be comfortable in that Mm -hmm. and not feel like I constantly have to like spend time like reaching out to like you know all these people um you know and I think it's about having that confidence or that trust that you know if you know just reaching out is you know gonna and I know I need to be better at that too but um you know that it, that's going to be there and you're yeah. right and then you, you may find out well, it's just not worth it and yeah like, and that's okay too cool. and, yeah. like, and I think the fallacy I read a book um oh I can't remember the name of it and so I feel like a turd but it's about <laughs> We have all these relationships about, or all these books about romantic relationships. We never have books about adult friendships. Right. And there's a really great book that I read actually with one of my good friends of what does it mean to have a good relationship? And I didn't really think about it as the same way of, you don't, yes, you do outgrow people, but it's not in the context of what we do, of what we think we are. Because what I think we do is we say we outgrow people to kind of let ourselves off the hook of having the uncomfortable conversation of doing the work of reconnecting with someone. And we do it with our families because we feel obligated. And the reality is oftentimes our family might not have even earned it in the same way somebody else in our past that was a friend was. And mm-hmm. to let go of the fallacy of this, that you can't just have friendships. Like, is You need to prioritize who's important to you and who you're willing to invest in because you need, not that they should get as much as your partner gets, but they, they, get, they get some mm-hmm. and it takes time and it takes being purposeful and deliberate and making time. And, you know, if that means once a month we FaceTime, maybe we don't text, you know, and that's something that mm-hmm. I've had that hard time with this because, you know, as an adult person, my fake idea of friendship was very much text. Like how often do we communicate? And like, that's a, a barometer of how close you are. And if you mm-hmm. are good friends and the reality is people have kids, people have mm-hmm. jobs. Um, you know, I have been very service oriented in the nonprofit world until my new shift to this job. And so the way my brain functions is entirely different because before when you're providing hands-on services, it's, it's kind of like lab- like manual labor, like you're mm-hmm. present, that's what you're getting paid for. And then you walk away. So it's like punch in, punch out. Mm-hmm. I, and there is emotional things you need to separate. I'm not saying that there isn't, but it's very different than I don't have the same to-do list as I do now. I don't have projects that I'm developing, teams that I'm developing, a culture that I'm trying to develop, onboarding a new hire into a new process. And I'm like, it's just very different than, oh, you need food? I can help you get food. And I'm not trying to discount that work. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just a different way your brain functions and shows up. And so therefore, because of how you show up, it adjusts how you show up after work. So my partner does IT. She's an IT auditor. And I never understood how she wouldn't text me during the day when we first started dating. And I was like, why, why can't you just say hi? Like, I didn't understand. Like, <laughs> because I had breaks because when I was done providing a service, I had a 15 minute break and then I mm-hmm. would provide a service. And so I, I was very clock oriented and regimen. But when you're in a corporate setting, it's very different. It's just, mm-hmm. entire, you know, teachers. Teachers don't really get to talk besides lunch. I don't even know how teachers function. Kudos to y'all. Good God. For real. We'd be lost without you. No, for real. You guys are underpaid. Y'all need six years off paid. <laughs> With vacations included, all expenses paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You pick your cruise, boo. 
<laughs> 10 days is yours. You want to go to Alaska? Go to Alaska. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't I got will... you. My, the way my bank account is set up, I don't got all y'all, but I would like to get all. <laughs> I'll get half of one of y'all. <laughs> I got half of one of y'all. We'll do 10. Probably start a Venmo account on your behalf. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I'm really appreciating this conversation because looking back, knowing you as long as I have, there's so much that happens in a day, let alone a year. Mm -hmm. And why don't we offer ourselves more grace? And I do think going back to the original conversation of what was the culture of relationship? What is the culture of community that not was oppressed on us, but was formed our idea of what it meant to have identity and belonging and worth, like you said, mm -hmm. and the way that the internet and all these other things blew all that up and was like, yep. we something totally different. And what I find really exciting, I just had a meeting today about this is um, my girlfriend always says adapt or die around COVID. And it's, it's dark, but it's kind of true. And when you listen to yeah. economists, when you listen to um, uh, psychologists and uh, efficiency and work specialists, they're talking about does a, a five-day work week make sense? Because mm -hmm. the five-day work week came from um, unions. Unions saying people can't work for 10 cents an hour for 12 hours, seven days a week. Right. They can't do that. Let's try a something ridiculous. It's a little, it's a little absurd. Little Can we get right? And so then, like building unions and building all the things. But the idea of a forty-hour work week came from the idea of of factories and factory workers and making sure that they weren't working long hours and all this equitable. But if you look at how productive we are, they say we're really technically only productive for six hours a day, at best, and mm -hmm. that's. That was in person. So I don't even know what it's like now because I think about how many meetings I have virtually and then I have to get my work done. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think people are now finally embracing um, like electronic communications more. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, you know, would have phone calls and things like that with my students and, you know, as I was recruiting them, but that has now upped a lot more. And I, I can't decide if it's because they can't come in person they, they couldn't for a long time. So they were sort of forced into this, but same thing. I got busier with quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it's because I work in the nursing world and we had this mm. influx of those that, which yeah. bless your souls who were like, I want to <laughs> help and like, you know, go on the front lines, which I love, um, which is what I love about my job. But um, I got busier and, and, but I think this is interesting too, because I think I'm also in the minority of this I hate working from home. I don't do well. I mentally did not do well the last two years at all. Um, it was very, very hard for me. I love being in the office and I'm now three days in, two days off, which is actually a pretty good balance for me. I'm finding a pretty good rhythm with that. But um, I, I do think that I do think that a lot of industries are going to shift in this. Um, and I think what I, and what I love about this is that there is a little bit more of that focus on what, what is best for our employees. I think because mm. that had been so lost um, of, yeah, 40 hours, you're here, we do it, you work, you work more than probably the 40 hours that you're yeah. paid um, and you just grind it out. And I think a lot of people now, as they were forced to be home, mm -hmm. um, 
they see the benefit of, oh, people can still be productive. <laughs> and everything is not. an emergency. Right. And things are still happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we were still functioning very well as a school, all of that. So I do think that it's you know, this is going to be something we're going to study for a long time. For yeah, sure. I love um, hearing about it. I love hearing economists, mm-hmm. psychologists just talk about like this. We are literally under an experiment right now. And we have the opportunity to do really, really rad things, like super rad things. We could be more innovative in processes. We can get really clear in processes. We can use technology to help build algorithms that hopefully don't have biases to help make certain things run more smooth and to remove the human component of, okay, well, maybe, you know, when it comes to recruiting or um, applications, you know, trying to build AI that allows you to do some of these reading things, and then you can have more hands-on impact having the conversations. I just, I get excited about thinking about it. And I think this is also what's really interesting about, again, I'm tooting the millennials horn, but I think we see the bonus of the phone call that's really important that doesn't necessarily need to be in person anymore, but we just shift from, instead of being a person, let's have a conversation. And mm-hmm. then let's build processes that allow us to be more efficient so that we don't have to do all these other things as well. Like how do we take the knowledge of all these years and, and allow ourselves to make mistakes. Also true. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And that's what I love. It's just seeing people's creativity through all of this. Um, Mm -hmm. and all of the new ideas, like we at work started a blog. Like I'm like, I've written some blog articles. (laughs) Like look (laughs) at me learning some new skills. Um, but just shifting like that. And I think it's allowed people to be much more creative, which is awesome to see. Um, and I just hope that it like continues and, you know, and we can kind of, yeah, get some steam rolling on this and just breaking down those stereotypical, like women can work and have kids and they can be just as productive working a four day work week or, you know, working a six hour day versus an eight, because as they have time, you know, spend with their families and do things like that. So like, and just like family units can figure this out together. And like, that's, I am so hopeful for all of the things that can come out of this. And I know it's still very, you know, we still have a long road ahead to kind of get out of this. Um, yeah. But I am so pumped to sort of see what comes out of this and, you know, be that person at hopefully 65. Like, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> remember that time? Yeah. Yeah. To stay at home. Um, yeah. And just what's going to shift and change from that. Um, so exciting. Yeah. So exciting yeah. to think about. Um, sure. But I do think that, you know, human relationships have definitely um, changed because of that too. And I think people, and I hope, and maybe this is just something that I've realized is that, you know, those, your community is very important. Yep. And having that support system, you know, I didn't see my family for well over a year because I was nervous to travel and I was waiting for my parents to get the vaccine and my sister was pregnant and like all of those things. And I just thought, I don't want to be like ground zero for something horrific happening and, you know, having to find ways to still connect and, you know, really reflect and, you know, think about, okay, I do need to be better. I need to be better about reaching out and calling mm-hmm. and making plans and doing all of that. And so I, I hope that other people have had time to reflect and start their own journey. Um, you know, I do hope that that's kind of been part of this. I don't know if you've seen it, you know, much in, in that regard of the people, you know, 
um, you know, hopefully people having time. Yeah. Help. To reset. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. You're talking about new ways to communicate this podcast. Be, this has been something I've been thinking about for years, like four years mm-hmm. minimum. What made it accessible is that someone asked me to be on theirs and we did it over Zoom and it literally knocked down all the false barriers that I had around doing it. You just have to set up a Zoom call and record and then I can edit it myself. Like there's so much technical things that I, I put boundaries and barriers on myself that I was like, oh, I can't edit audio. I can't make a podcast. That sounds expensive. And mm-hmm. it's not, there's yeah. so many tools at your fingertips. And if you believe in something, you know, if you see the potential, like to me, these conversations, somebody is going to get something from it, even if it's only one thing. And that's to me is all that matters. Yeah. That's somebody that hears your story P of like, I found myself at 33 and I learned to let go of all the ideas of what society what I was seeing, the things that I thought were quote unquote normal and just be able to say, well, fuck all that. What do I want? What mm-hmm. do I want? And it doesn't mean you have to go, you know, white, wild banshee, knock it all out. And you're like, new walls, new foundation. <laughs> Everything has to go. <laughs> Doing a yard sale. Come get it. Um, it could oh, be just one thing. Yeah. It could just be one thing. It could right. be my relationship with my spirituality. It could be my relationship with setting boundaries. It could be, maybe I don't want to be a people pleaser anymore. Maybe I want to start saying yes for myself. And maybe that means setting one goal of for this week. Mm -hmm. If it isn't a hell yes, then it's a hell no. Mm -hmm. When someone asks me something. Yeah. Just just that. Well, and, and I think too, you know, not being scared to feel like you're starting over. I think a lot of my fear came from that too, of like, Mm. I essentially have to start, I have to find a new place to live. Yeah. I have to figure out like I need some stuff, you know? And to me, it was scarier staying somewhere where I was unhappy than going on that journey. Mm. And, and it, but it was also kind of cathartic of, well, if I'm going to do this journey of me figuring out who the hell I am, yeah let's, we got to go all in. And that's, and that's the thing, like you have to sometimes jump without knowing the outcome Mm -hmm. and just trusting yourself that you're going to figure it out and it's going to be great. And it's going to be better than where you were. And so I think, you know, if anyone out there is like scared to start over, you can do it, you know, it's, it's going to be tough, but you know, you're going to learn so much about yourself and gain so much more self-confidence in yourself and, you know, have a much clearer direction of where you want to go and who you want to be. And it's, it's just going to be amazing. And you're just going to be, feel like this weight has just been lifted yeah. off of you. Yeah. Um, and you're just going to feel much more peaceful. I think yeah. that's probably the biggest thing. I just, you know, I feel much more peaceful inside with who I am yeah. um, and just more, more peaceful in my outlook of life. Yeah. More home in your body. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't get to leave this vessel, right? At least not now mm-hmm. while you're breathing, listening right now. I don't know what happens after I right. breathe my last breath, but I know that right now the house I live in, I want to nurture it. I want to put boundaries and fences around it. I, I want to let only certain people come in mm-hmm. and 
Um, I hope the universe keeps inviting me to look at myself in ways that I can expand that, heal that, mm -hmm. change that, invite somebody back in, maybe go back to my past. Um, I think that's also something really lovely too about like going back to where you came from is every, I don't know if you feel this way, but every time I go home, I feel like I learned so much more about myself. And the mm -hmm. longer I am away from home, I love my parents. Let me be very clear here. <laughs> I appreciate them so much more now. And yeah. I appreciate what they did for me. Like, so similar to, to uh, Laura, I um, grew up two hours from where we went to school. And it was like the perfect of, I know my parents can't just drop in. <laughs> <laughs> and yet if I want to go home and I want my mama's cooking, I can Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little bit harder when you play college sports that, that there's a, cause you know, we have games every Saturday. There's, there's anyway, but if I want to, I can make it happen. Right. And mm -hmm. so it was like the, for me, the, like a slow catch and release, right. Of like the freedom I need, but like on a leash, mm -hmm. you know, I, I often think about, I don't know if you do that. Not, I don't do this because I would change my life. I do this to give perspective of my life. I think about if I look at the 18 year old's version of Jen Hoffman and what she wanted, part of me wanted to be a college athlete more than anything on the planet. I felt like I was destined to do that. Gratefully I did that. And then there's other parts of me that are like, man, I would have loved to gone to Michigan. That'd have been a lot really rad. And then there's another part of me that was like, what if I didn't do any of that? And I just worked dumb jobs, mm -hmm. bar bartended and just traveled and just made enough money until I went to the next city and just explored the world with really young hopeful eyes mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to change what I did right but I think it tells you one tells me a story about the root of who I've always been because I'm doing those things now is I'm doing them in a way that I truly care about what I see now I'm excited yeah. and find it to be an absolute blessing to be able to go to a new city with new eyes and just absorb what mm -hmm. it can offer me and and then like the education part of being in a really large university, like we have that with Ted talks, we have that with, with podcasts, we have the knowledge at our fingertips. And so it's interesting to look at what you thought you wanted in the way life is like, actually, Jen, I'm already giving you those things. They're right here. <laughs> and then to look at your life and say, but this is, this was what was necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think about that too. I was looking at colleges, you know, like five or six hours away and, at the 18 year old Laura was like, I can't go that far away. And here I am now eight and a half hours away. Like it's no big deal. And um, one of my coworkers actually had told me this at one point and I thought it was um, pretty powerful. She said, you know, you're going to have everything you want in life. It's just not all going to be at the same time. Oh God, that's so true. Right. She's like, mm -hmm. I had my favorite perfect house, but it wasn't my favorite job. You know what I mean? She's like, so we had to move for that. And, you know, she's like, love all my houses, but that's just, you know, kind of her example. And I thought, oh my God, that's so true. Yeah. Like you're going to have that college athlete experience and it's going to be everything for you at that moment. But yeah, you're not going to have that adventure of traveling and all of that because you can't do those things at the same time. Right. right. So um, you're going to have everything you want in life. It's just not all going to happen at the same time. And it's right. about, yeah, reflecting back and being like, wow, like things came together. Cause I think about that too. I'm like, what if I didn't play? Like, what if I played volleyball or would have gone to college to play rugby? Um, you know, how would life have changed? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's 
funny because I think back, I'm like, who the hell even knows? Like, what, yeah, it's where wild any of that would go? <laughs> um, but like, I'm so grateful for where I'm at now and who I am and the things that I know and love about myself now that, you know, it's just, that's just more of a fun, like, what if adventure to go down? Because, you know, I'm right where I right. was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it is interesting that I'm like, different decisions yeah or you can use like trials like what if I didn't tear my ACL Mm -hmm. what if and you know I'm I'm a small player like I got under recruiting because I'm tiny people are like oh she's she's five four she can't play anything besides maybe I don't know not basketball every time I tell people I play basketball they're like you are a point guard and I was like no no I wasn't (laughs) Um, thanks for stereotyping me, but we found this when we, you, cause you were smaller for a post player mm-hmm. and yep. every time. So, so P and I worked a lot of camps together too. Apparently we did everything together now that I think <laughs> about, it. um, <laughs> but we went to like DePaul and cap and like all these places mm-hmm. play with these division one, like top players. And we would do really well, sometimes crush it. And people <laughs> would always be surprised by how talented we were. And they'd be like, wow, you guys are really good. And so it was kind of like, Thanks. Yeah. Under recruited. Thanks a lot. No. <laughs> because <laughs> we're short for our position. We get right. it. <laughs> yeah, we get it. Okay. I'm happy you got three more inches and have a full ride, and my life is entirely done. <laughs> I'm in debt. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> Sorry. But this is where, what I do in my brain is actually this conversation of what I think about of like what would have happened if I would have went D1. Mm-hmm. What I think about is. I'm grateful that I did because Sienna offered something I really needed, this very nurturing small community that allowed me to figure out what my moral compass was. Mm -hmm. I could be gay at a a Catholic school. Right. Not be lost. You know, I think about, oh, if I would have went to Michigan, I would have been lost. I don't know if I would have stayed on track, but because I was in a small community, I fucked around a lot my freshman year and it took one semester for me to get my shit together. And then that Mm -hmm. was it. And then I, a lot of that rebuilding for me on a personal journey was rebuilding trust of people believing in me, trusting in me, knowing that because I, all it took was one semester. And ironically, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't even remember what the moment was, but I just remember one time telling people something and I knew I was lying, but then starting to realize people knew I was lying. And it didn't, and it was just that one moment of someone looking at me and like, that's not the truth. And now who I am is I can't lie. Like I'm, I'm, you, if you want to tell me, and if, if I'm, if I won't say it because I'm like, I plead the fifth, my face is telling you, I can't, I can't, I can't lie. Written all over that. All over it. But, but that's, but it's a gift to me. And that's how I see it is that if I wouldn't have gone to a smaller school, if I wouldn't have had the the things that I had, you know, Mm -hmm. I think about a, a thing coach Sue did. I never skipped class. I did my freshman year. This is where I got in trouble. <laughs> and uh, so we went to a liberal arts school and I, we had to take like music and art. We have to take all these things, right? I took piano. I don't know if you remember this P. I skipped one class and coach Sue made everybody run and put me on the sideline. And I watched y'all ask me if I skipped ever again. No, <laughs> I felt so shitty for so long (laughs) it's experiences like that like that taught me how different people are motivated yeah five five of us the seniors when we were all captains and -hmm. she made all five of us captains and the different gifts each of us brought to the team 
right? Mm-hmm. Like Des was like the, 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 the behind the scenes talking to people, trying to like make sure everybody was cool. She was vocal and checking everybody. And just, we all had our different roles, right? We mm-hmm. all brought something to the table, which, you know, you don't necessarily want one person to be all of those things. We had five people that brought all this to the table. And a moment like that with Sue made me realize like the motive, like someone else would have been like, phew, I didn't have to run. But for me, that was like, oh my God, I will never do that to my teammates again. But I, that's one moment that I carry with me at 37, thinking about what motivates a person to do Mm -hmm. their best, to show Mm -hmm. up honestly, to be purposeful and to feel like they are in a culture of safety, that they can do things like that. And that's just from one moment from when we were 22 years old. Yeah. If I went to Michigan per se, or a large school, I would have lost all that. If I would have went and never went to school. Right. And so you can look back and think, yeah, you could have, but also what I needed was, and I think when you do the reflection of could have been, what if, what if, what if, I don't know if you do this, but I always seem to go back to what did happen and the gratitude that my heart is filled with. I would never want anything else. No. And I think about that a lot too. I think so much of those lessons that we learned, you know, I think anyone that played college sports kind of carries a lot of things with them because I remember, oh my gosh, we were at Cornerstone and we were not playing well. And at halftime, I just remember sitting there thinking, I feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can. And Sue yelling at me and is like, you need to shoot the ball more and you need to, and I'm like, I feel like I'm being a ball hog. Like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, and just sitting there just like, okay, okay. And I'll never forget the day after, because, you know, of course it was probably like a Wednesday night and, you know, of course we're playing three and a half hours away. Um, And the next day her sitting me down and just saying, you know, I just want you to know that when I yelled at you last night, it it wasn't because I didn't think you were doing enough. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because it felt like that. Um, And she said, I was really trying to motivate everyone else because I knew you were working hard and that they needed to catch up with that. And I just remember being like, wow, like she trusts me enough that it knows that I trust her enough that she can yell at me and I'm not going to say anything back and that it's not going to stop me from playing hard. And mm-hmm. I, she's like wonderful at that, at like knowing each player and yep, and what but, motivates them and what they need. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so much of like gritting through things, especially as an adult, whether it's mental or physical, comes from playing college sports because yep. we didn't have we. I mean, we had a winning record. What one year? Our senior. <laughs> it was like the Our first winning year. record. We were like, I will say, I am proud that we were like the first stepping stone towards what they are now what they are now but we were not we were not winning y'all no we were not we struggled (laughs) hardcore we weren't even 500 half the time it was bad yeah but we but we worked hard and and I think a lot of and I'm you know while I wish you know we had all sorts of like banners and things to show I am so grateful for all of that because I know how to work hard even when things aren't going well like figuring out a problem figuring out a solution just forging ahead um, are things that I carry with me from, from the, those, that, that time. Mm-hmm. And even working as a team, like you said it beautifully, like I so glad that she made all five of us captain, like, because we did bring all sorts of things mm-hmm. um, and what people needed and working together as a team for that um, just as the five of us is like, 
super impactful in like, how do you work as a team and let those things shine through mm -hmm. so that people can do what they can do. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, and I think about it too. I'm like, Oh man, let's just like rode the bench at a bigger school. And I'm like, no, I wanted to be in the middle of it. I wanted to work hard. I wanted to like have someone depend on me. I wanted to, to grow through that. And, um, and yeah, I wouldn't change it. Oh God, for nothing. Would I go back? I think, I think my knees probably wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> my body wouldn't appreciate that, but God, yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone. I would have picked that same situation over and over again for that 18 year old me. Um, this is exactly what I needed to be who I am today and, and just be able to like fight through things, yeah. um, to like get done what I need to get done or, you know, whatever you can extrapolate all of that. Then those lessons into like a much bigger life lesson, which For is sure. so cool. Yeah. I mean, what do they say? 7% of humanity will be a college athlete. 7%. Mm -hmm. I think it's less than that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I think it was 7%. I feel like we had this conversation in sport management actually one time because there was a debate around um, athletes getting paid. Do you yeah. remember? Do you, and mm -hmm. um, anyway, which is a whole other interesting thing because <laughs> I don't know if you feel this way. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but like I, I teeter between the thing, like what we had, right? The grind of like, we mm -hmm. had to grind to even, like we in so many ways, saw it as a privilege to be a student athlete yep. it wasn't entitled to us we worked hard as hell to get there we worked hard as hell to stay there i mean how many people quit every year right well and remember our first two years our scholarships were a grant that we yeah. still had to work for like right. we still had to do, it wasn't work study we still had to give like eight to ten hours a week for that that athletic scholarship and whatever job they gave us right um it was crazy to think about <laughs> yeah yeah and also goes back to when you're 18 years old we probably shouldn't be making these decisions <laughs> oh my god but it was good i think yeah i'm saying yeah. in general is that you don't have to go to this is something that i'm like yeah. learning now is like i don't even use my degree i don't even use my master's but what I did get from my college degree is what you're describing of like mm -hmm. what it meant to be on a college basketball team, to show up to practice every single day on time, to go to class every day, because that had repercussions <laughs> to be accountable to more than your own self, to mm -hmm. deal with conflict, to time manage, you know, like we had to plan between uh, study hall and 5am practice and manage freshmen, which is like hurting cats. And oh God. <laughs> I know. Well, and like, and, and I mean, if we go back to like the whole reason that, you know, college was really there other than to like, for teachers and nurses and things, I think the whole concept really started to help mature people yeah. um, mm -hmm. and done did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I <laughs> box checked. <laughs> I mean, I think I use my degree in sort of a different, like a different way. I mean, that's of, um, I really did have hopes of actually using it and just realized that it just was not a world that I wanted to live in anyway, but yeah, um, for sure. yeah, it, it, it is. I, I definitely learned more. Um, I, God, it was such a great, you know, it's so funny is actually um, sister Peg was in Baltimore about two weeks ago, had lunch with her mm -hmm. and we we're just chatting and catching up and she, you know, 
said, oh, I remember, you know, you're on the basketball court. And I just remember sitting there thinking, this is the coolest damn thing. We graduated 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Uh. Here I am in a state, multiple states away from uh-huh. where we went to. And I'm just casually having lunch with the president of the university. Just having a great old time. And I'm like, what? freaking other school other than other small schools would like this be happening yeah and i was just like this is the coolest thing and like it's things like that that i'm like really appreciative of you know going to a small school and just being like this is the community that i was in and even 14 years later like we can talk about things that happened 14 years ago and just catch Mm -hmm. up and like she gave me a big old hug and i was just like oh my god like home like here this little piece of home here and I was just like this is amazing and those are the things that I'm just like gosh I could just like my heart wants to like poop its pants because it just makes me so freaking happy and like yeah that like that was an experience that I had and it continues to kind of bless my life you know even this far away Mm -hmm. um it was just so cool but that's yeah yeah, I would pick that a hundred times over yeah. over and over and do it all over again mm-hmm. um so yeah there's always that what if but that it was yeah. it was the right decision that somehow 18 year old us freaking knew and made yeah but I, I think you know the universe is always in your favor right so mm-hmm. again that what if question just takes you back to you did exactly what you were supposed to do to be exactly where you needed to be and to meet the exact people you needed to meet like I think about Nalu mm-hmm. my my dog R.I.P. Oh, um, Nalu, Panazo actually lived with Nalu. I got her when we were in the dorms. She lived in the dorms mm-hmm. for like a month. Um, Nalu is my dog for those that don't know. Uh, 14 years old, she passed away. Nalu's name in Hawaiian is Wave. And I don't know if you remember this, P, but um, I got chosen to do the Nike So You Want to Be a Coach. Yes. And I was the only non Division One player chosen that year. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. You. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is also really amazing about Coach Sue is that we went to a really small school, but she had an insane network. Mm-hmm. We got to do all these like Michigan State, DePaul, Cat. Like we did all these really cool basketball camps, met these really cool coaches. And then that's how I got picked actually, because the head coach of DePaul was doing the application process and he knew because I did that. Anyway, so with that being said, small town, but big network, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we met these guys from Hawaii. Do you remember this? And they, I was trying to figure out where, so my, I set my life up to be a college basketball coach. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so this was part of this, Nike, so you want to be a coach. It's like part of the final four. You meet all these amazing division one coaches. You get to go to the final four um, and then basically put yourself out there. My options were between Slippery Rock in Pennsylvania, Slimy Pebble, never heard of it in my life. <laughs> And just a school in Hawaii. And um, I stayed here because of Nalu. Mm-hmm. Now, P knows this. I, which is ironic now, I had surfing stuff everywhere in my room. I've always been obsessed with surfing. And so Hawaii would have been, I mean, my dog was named Wave, like an ocean wave. And so this would have been the thing. But Nalu was really anxious. And so I couldn't, there was not even an option, like a thought mm-hmm. process to leave her. And mm-hmm. so about something as simple as that, this dog that impacted my multiple humans' lives, but like, and without that, I would have maybe 
gone somewhere that might have never been, you know, and like just a simple, 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 tiny thing. And they're happening all the time. Like you were talking about that aha moment earlier. Is that's the other thing I like about these conversations is if you take time to unpack and look at your life, you're having these moments all the time. Like the all moment, the freaking time. All the time. Are you, but do you, again, do you have the tools to be aware? Do you have a sounding board to have these types of conversations to unpack those things and be like, holy hell, I never even thought about it like that before, or to give like, Hey, have you ever thought about this? And that's why I think these conversations are so important, especially as adult people, when we're trying to take the information of how we grew up, the information of what is on the internet now. And then like, where do I fit into all of this Mm -hmm. and normalizing talking like this? Cause I didn't see people in our school weren't always talking like this. Like I didn't watch adults talking like this. Wow. So like this aha moment where I realized I didn't know my worth. Like, I don't remember hearing anything like that. Like, and, and, and to be able to talk about it now and to share our journey and story, I'm just really grateful to have this conversation. This has been awesome. Um, I know I was actually, I listened to your, um, the podcast that when Lydia was on mm. and I immediately flashed back to when she would visit us. And we would just like talk. And like, I remember we played Modest Mouse um, album came out and we just played that to death and just would talk all night. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And you're right. Like you are one of the few people that I can sit and have these conversations with, which is why I love this. And I love catching up because it's just like, it's so rare sometimes to find people that just like want to talk through things. Um, And figure it out through that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Let's name it. Let's not, yeah. let's also be okay with not being able to name it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just be curious about the way life showed up. Yeah. The way of how we ended up on the same basketball team at the same time in the same era, mm-hmm. how we ended up being, you know, roommates and, mm-hmm. you know, reconnecting. I don't even remember how we reconnected when we were in the Bay. I remember exactly where I was. We hadn't talked in years probably since Pittsburgh, when you visited in Pittsburgh, when I was doing boot camp, and I was in actually working out in our apartment. And I don't even know how I don't know. If, see, this is the other thing that I do. And I don't know if this is good or bad. But I often <laughs> will hear a song and I'll message friends from college and be like, do you remember this song? Or a meme? I am notorious for this. I will say that because it's like, oh, my God, we love this stupid song so much. <laughs> my God, there were and there's so many there's yeah. so many like Go and I will <laughs> memes. Oh gosh, I'm late tired. I am cat. I'm a kitty cat, and it doesn't sense, sense, and it doesn't sense, sense. Cat, I'm a kitty cat, and I'm meow, 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 and I'm meow, meow, meow. <laughs> if if you aren't a millennial, um, you probably oh won't get that, or you could probably Google cats. I'm a kitty cat, and I dance, dance, dance. And I dance, 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 and I promise a video on YouTube will come up and you'd be like, this is what they had for humor. It was like gifts before gifts. Yeah, no, so you're right. Great. It was, it was gifts before gifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah. And that's, and it probably was, it was probably something like working out or, um, you know, something like that. But like, that's, ah, it's those human connections that I just love. Like, Yeah. Like a song, like I could probably name numerous songs that are completely inappropriate to talk about on this podcast that just, mm-hmm. <laughs> we would just like blast around and had no business and just yeah. like all sorts of things like tailgating at soccer games because mm-hmm. that's all we had, you know, yep. just all these like fun things that we used to do. But that's, you know, and that's the cool thing is like, and we can't, and we have built more memories of me almost dying on 
whatever park that was. In yeah. But looking over the beautiful three rivers and yeah. join. the bridges that are going to cause you a stroke when you have to decision, make a decision of which exit you should get off. <laughs> but what I think is really important, though, is this is something that I have always struggled with, um, is that, yeah, it's great to talk about our past, but also what else? Right. Like, right. I don't want to just talk about and that's why I think is really interesting about reconnecting with people that you still are similarly going in the direction. You know, you're not a dead fish going down. You're fighting upstream is like, right. Yeah, we had these things in common and like, OK, basketball. Right. And like how you might describe where that shows up in your life now of like resilience and trying to figure out who I am and what do I want to do. And mm-hmm. for me, like talking about that one moment with Coach Sue and how it's changed, how I look at people on my team and how different people are motivated in different ways and they need different communication styles. And, you know, all these things are intertwined. What I I think is important is how do you look at what was, let's laugh, have joy, and then let's build, right? grow, expand, and then have it not be, I don't know if you feel this way, but this is something that I really struggle with is like, I don't want to keep talking about what we did when we were 18 as the only thing we're talking about. I want to talk about yeah, let's reminisce, but then tell me more about how that's showing up in your life now. Tell me more about how it's helping you really figure out who you are and what are your non-negotiables and who do you want to become in the world? Well, and I think too, like, and this is what, you know, I'm excited about this because I want to tell you this is like, you have been on this journey and really have sort of recognized it much sooner than I did. And as someone who felt so lost for a while, like I always mi- admired that you knew who you were, you know, and even though you probably, and I know you did feel a little lost in college and through that, those times, like you, in my eyes, you were still very much, you know, even though you had some inner turmoil to me, you know, and maybe because I met you at that part and in a place that you felt comfortable being who you were, I was admired that, you know, you were just you and, you know, you didn't apologize for that and you still don't. And it's something that I'm like, yeah, that's like, that's the level I want to be at. And that's the level I want to work towards. And that's why, you know, when you meet people and you have people in your life that you kind of continue, even from afar, if we don't talk, like, I'm still looking at your Instagram, like I'm still going to listen to your podcast and just go, wow, like, you know, you have it so together. And I, and I love that. And that's what I want to work towards. And even like, this is why I think it's so cool you started this, just sharing other people's like, and yeah, picking up that one piece from that, that you can kind of pull out and go, yeah, I'm going to incorporate that. Or I'm going to really mm-hmm. sit and think about that and how that plays out in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, what I find so cool is, you know, and probably around those times where I should have reached out, I was like, oh my God, she's got her life so together. And I just like, have no idea what the hell I'm doing. That's a fallacy. <laughs> 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 the one thing but, I know is that we don't have any of it together. The, the moment you think you do, it's like, uh uh. That's like yeah. the Jurassic Park, uh uh uh. What's uh, the magic uh, word? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. And I think the times where I've gotten so jealous, especially other women, you mm-hmm. know, and, and probably was not very nice or, you know, things, it's because I was feeling insecure or not confident about myself. And they were, presenting what I wanted right mm-hmm. so like you know I can think back of when I've been like oh what's this person doing like why do they think they can act like that and I'm like oh my god you're feeling self-conscious they're confident in who they are and like mm-hmm. you're really going to be mad about that <laughs> like right. there's a lot of and I think 
you know, most of the time when someone's bothering you, it's because they're holding up a mirror to your face and showing 100. you. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you're irritated? Let me point out to you what you don't like about yourself. Right. You might need to work on about yourself, right? Yeah, right. I agree. You know, no. we are 100% mirrors. And I look at, I try, I'm starting to look at life in two ways. One, everything is information mm-hmm. and everything is communication. Mm-hmm. So when you don't communicate, that's communication. When how you show up into a space, your fate, like everything, everything is communication. And it's also providing other people information. Mm-hmm. And when you start to look at the world that way too, I think one, it gives you a reflection of you and your opportunities, but it also shows you all the ways that we are so damn connected. And I think that's, what's really interesting about being a person in general, why this podcast is so important to me is that even though our stories are very different and we even have some things that are connected, like, especially us, right? Like we, we hoop together, all that stuff, but yet there's the, the duality of sitting with what, what connected us and what also makes us very separate individuals and what makes us connected is what gives us value. And so does what makes us separate give Mm -hmm. up because give us value. And when you can start to sit in that space, you start to see, well, you, I like to use the word worth is that you start to see that I am no more or less worthy than you are. Mm-hmm. And we're all, we all just want the same shit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Like, and, and I think as an adult, and as I've gotten older, you know, I do like, I, I love that you said that, you know, life's about information and communication, because I, I, I just want to learn as much as I can about other people and about myself and how I fit into this world or, you know, don't enforce my own path and what that means. But, you know, finding out how I can connect with people being just who I am and, and them being just who they are and that being okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the cool thing about life. And I, you had said it earlier, like you just have to be curious. And I, I feel like that's so important. Like, as soon as you stop being curious about information in life, I just feel like it mm-hmm. dull. Like, mm-hmm. you should, you know, learn about something. It, information is all at our fingertips now. Yeah. There's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to, like, keep that curiosity. Well, and it separates fine. you from what you're actually seeking. So what you think, and this is where I think it gets really gross and icky, is that we decide what is right or wrong based off a of value, worth, community system. And what we yep. don't know what to do is, to agree with, to agree to disagree with someone that we might absolutely hate, might mm-hmm. absolutely want nothing to do with, but can also hold compassion for their humanity. Because I think getting us to be uh, um, homogenous and like singular isn't the answer either. It's the, the muscle of using that curiosity to be like, okay, well, that's a little weird. Not my jam. Do you. But also, I'm going to stay over here in my lane because right. that ain't for me. And then not thinking that that is worth any less, that that doesn't have any value, that it's stupid, whatever. You can't, because it's a human being and that is their journey, it has value just mm-hmm. from, from it existing. But it's a really hard place to live because you have to be so okay in yourself that you can say that and have it not take away from your worth your mm-hmm. value and your belief system. And then to perpetually what we were talking about, like this whole time of how do you separate that idea 
and to not make it yours. And then to start building all these segregations and right, wrong, or all the other stuff. Yeah, no, and it's true. Like, and I think at the time, and that's where I, I hope people can learn at the times that you most want to fight back and, mm. and, and try to make a stand for something that you don't need to. Um, it's because there's, you need to kind of reflect internally and in what you're dealing with inside. Cause you're right. Like you want to make whatever choice you make, whether I agree with it or not, that's your life to, to do that. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be over here. And um, yeah, I wish, you know, sometimes like I want people to just like leave other people alone, like just, <laughs> but don't because you know we're all in this together and yeah we're all here right it's such together. a weird balance of like right. how do I hold you accountable because I know you can do better but then when is the line where I can no longer my energy can't go there and I need to set a boundary you know that's something mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting and I love it admire about Gen Z is that they're like yeah fuck that no and then we feel like a moral obligation to our grandparents culture like all these things and Gen Z is like mm, no nah. Mm-hmm. So no for me, dog. And so I find myself like, how do I honor the, the compassion in me to honor, to know why we got here to begin with yep. and know we can do better and hold you accountable. And we say this at my work a lot, uh, accountability always comes with support. So how can I hold you accountable and offer my version of support and boundaries inside of that? And it's the work of a lifetime. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's not, it's, it's not something that's going to happen in an hour, you know, it's, and you're going to mess up. Right. And you're going to mess up and you have to own those mistakes and say, you're right. What are we going to learn from this so we can move on and avoid this from happening again? Mm -hmm. Um, But I love that accountability comes with support. I, I'd love that because it's so true. I can hold you accountable and still love you and support you and, um, you know, be here for you, but I'm also you need to do better. Do, yeah. Do better. <laughs> do better. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the more that we can show that in our, in our relationships, our friendships, work yeah. relationships, the more it will just bleed into all parts of our yeah. life 100%. and we'll start treating ev- everyone that way. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's like finding that space to really work on that. So you can learn those, that those tools. For sure. No one, no one teaches you that. No one's teaching like, it. No one's no. teaching it. Full stop. That's also why I think this is so important is the more we talk like this, the more we normalize it. It's like mm-hmm. uh, Brene Brown talks about this, about modeling behavior. You know, yeah. if you don't model what you're asking of people, right? This goes back to the support thing. You can't tell your kids not to swear and then swear. Mm-hmm. You can't tell people to not throw passive aggressive emails and CC everyone. And then you do it. Like these are just really corny versions, but it's the truth. Right. You've, if you don't want people to lie, you need to not lie. If you yeah. want people to, if you want to build a culture of psychological safety, that takes admittance of when you're wrong and taking mm-hmm. ownership and allowing other people to hold you accountable if you're the leader in the group. And mm-hmm. these aren't things that weren't, weren't really modeled. And I think, you know, the more we talk about it, and I think this is why I'm so grateful for sport is that being on a team and it inevitably makes you, makes me think of like what your dad said about strengths and weaknesses kind of colliding in a relationship mm-hmm. and all the things I've learned by being an athlete are hundred percent, the foundation of who I am, of 
wanting to be accountable to a team and to myself to know that the only way the team is going to get better is if I also make myself better in alignment to the mission of the team. And this is true for how we function in humanity. And it doesn't mean that um, we all always got along because we didn't. And um, it's a common vision of what we want moving forward. Right. Well, I think there's that respect there, right? Like I may not think that my role is what I want it to be, but it's what the team needs. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's definitely something that, you know, I think has always presented itself in at work because that I've always worked in offices that required teamwork, Yeah, you know, and, and wanting to carry so much of the, you know, the work and the weight of that and realize I don't need to, you know, Mm -hmm. um, having to reconcile that. um, I just had a conversation with my boss. I was like, I don't feel like I'm doing as much as everyone else is. And it's just like, that's not the time of year for you. Like you're, there are going to be other times when you're going to be doing more, like you have to be okay with it mm, right like now. Like the season and the ebb of flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. It's hard sometimes. Still, yeah. you know, still struggle with it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just so interesting. Yeah. It doesn't stop. I you know. And no. it's like, I feel like the, every time you think about something, you're like, oh my gosh, and then what about this? And like all these, it's like, right? it's like you're putting the jigsaw puzzle of your life together. And I love these conversations. I'm so grateful that you came on here to do this um, and and to go down weird, random, curious rabbit holes <laughs> and then somehow tie them to f- playing under Coach Sue. And that's also an interesting too about roles is like the having that conversation at the beginning of the season of what you're beginning middle and then going into playoffs, where has your role shifted? Maybe you mm-hmm. aren't a starter anymore. Maybe you're not a point guard anymore. I, I had to go from being a shooting guard to a point guard back to a shooting guard. You know, my, mm-hmm. my entire position changed, which changes how you see the floor, how you show up on the floor. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not good, better. Otherwise it's just my season shifted. My mm-hmm. talent shifted my, how I contributed shifted. And yeah. I remember those conversations and like walking in, like shitting my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was nervous. Yeah, because you did. Well, because the thing is, is that you're 18 years old. You have an idea of who you are. All of us came from being the stars on our team, Mm -hmm. right? And then we, and we go to this place where we have to figure out to find our checks and balances of, okay, what was my strength in college or high school might not be my strength at all anymore in college. And what does it mean again, to move the team forward in a vision of how our, da- our dynamic, you know, the, all the way our offense ran, there's so many things inside of that, which I also side note, give so much kudos to professional players that get bounced around last minute. You have to unroot everything you know about a system, including your families your children going to school and you have to go to this whole other place and we, we do it like they should just adapt overnight. And the fact that a lot of them do the mental perseverance that those athletes have. Wow. Well, and just for like understanding the game. I thought about that this weekend. I can't remember what player had just been um, traded or picked up by someone else. And they showed up that week. And I was like, wait, and they're like, starting, they know all the offensive (laughs) plays already. I'm like, Amazing. I know. Amazing. Sorry. Yeah. And it shows also that to go against stereotypes, their intelligence, their intelligence, Absolutely. especially like football to me, football, you, you have to be so smart to be a quarterback. Like Mm -hmm. you, you, in a single moment, you're deciding what is in front. It's chess in like split seconds. And then to be able to have 
the vision and the accuracy to throw a ball to the, like, if you really th- like think about what is happening, y'all, like it is beautiful. It is. It is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane to me. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely, anyway, I digress. I don't even know what I was talking about with that. Oh, the conflict. Yeah. Those conversations taught me to get out of my own way to see mm-hmm. not, not, not only, and maybe this was a huge self-awareness tool of like the idea of who you think you are, what you actually are showing up as and having a person in a very loving and gentle way show you the mirror back to you mm-hmm. and offer the support to hold you accountable to how they see you fitting into the team. And Coach Sue did that beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. And just that, and she still does that, just that like caring yeah. nature about it and just just being able to, I mean, in coaching with her was just, it blew my mind, all the things that like she did behind the scenes. And I was like, that's why you did all that. <laughs> that's it makes sense. Right. Um, and it, it was so wonderful to work with her and learning. And that she really taught me how, how you do give tough love, you know, and how you can be quote unquote hard on someone in a loving way. And yeah. that's, it, it's such a gift to be able to do, but it's, it's something that she taught me and I didn't appreciate it as a player right. um, and I do now, but then also being able to coach with her and really watch on that side, mm-hmm. how she did that and executed that was just like, it blew my mind. I was like, I could never be a head coach. Gosh, I have yeah. <laughs> none of these tools, mm-hmm. which is great, you know, and, and knew that enough, knew myself enough about that. But um, yeah, that's, that yeah and that's you know it's so funny you know having tough conversations you know i i hadn't thought back to that um time but that was really that was a lesson mm-hmm. in learning how to like really sit and be humble that like you have this yeah vision of yourself like i'm i'm good i know what i'm doing and then to have someone be like mm-hmm. okay so i see like <laughs> 15 minutes you know and you're like but i was playing the whole game you know and and really talk about that um mm-hmm. And but allowing you also the space to prove it wrong, um, mm-hmm. which I think was a huge thing. In that every year we had, you know, a chance to a for the people who didn't start or didn't play a lot, prove her wrong, and then the people who did have to re-earn that always um, every day. Yeah, and I loved that. It was like you couldn't ever sort of be just comfortable in that role and be like, eh, it's mine. Um, you have to continue to work and prove why you had that spot. And that's what mm-hmm. I think um, she also did really well, um, which kept us all working hard. Mm-hmm. Even though it didn't show in our record, yeah. we were a very hardworking, you know, team. Yeah. Um, and uh, my God, you were like, listen, I wouldn't be that rebounder I was unless you like, we're like, I'm shooting around. Do you want to stay? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll rebound for you. Like, that's the only reason I knew like where the ball would go based on where you were shooting because we shot around for God hours. Oh, I never even thought um, about that. <laughs> yeah, I that honestly, just rebounding for like you and anyone that wanted to shoot, it would taught me how the ball would come off the rim and how it would come and specific teammates hands. I never thought about that before. Like mm-hmm. if you were to shoot with all of us, you knew our timing, you knew how, when and where to block out and when to like create mm-hmm. space, when to jump. Wow. I never even thought about yeah. that. Yeah. And, um, and even just like running with you, God, you're so damn fast. 
Um, <laughs> I don't feel fast anymore. I feel so slow. Oh my God. No, I peaked whatever. I think I was our senior year at that mile time, but trying to like stay with you. Ooh, <laughs> maybe at least make my mile time. Um, <laughs> I will yeah, say I was, before I turn 40, I do want to hit a sub six mile again. That's a goal, even though I hate running, but I just think it'd be really cool to hit it one more time. I love that. I want that for you. Thanks. We'll see if I, I keep talking about it. That's one of those things. I say things out loud too, because I think it's the accountability piece because coach Sue would hold you accountable. And Mm -hmm. I love that. And she would like, I told her I wanted to be a better shooter. And she was like, so show me you want to be a better shooter. And now that I've never even thought about a lot of this now that we're unpacking it, but a lot of who I am when it comes to fitness, building the routine that I have, a lot of people ask me if I was in the military because I'm Mm -hmm. so disciplined. But I think a lot of that came down to quite frankly, coach Sue holding me accountable in a way that allowed me to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And because like, like I said, that one time I didn't go to piano. Right. But it it, it was impactful because I never wanted to be late again. I still hate being late. I, I am a person that said, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And I saw the way people invested in me, you know, she, that summer, um, the, the summer that she transitioned me from a, a point guard to a shooting guard. And she's like, I think this is where you're going to thrive. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And I was a point guard for like two years. So yeah, two years at that point, and then had a red shirt inside of that. And so yeah. I didn't know what it was like to be a, a shooting guard outside of high school. You know, I, that, that identity piece, right? Like you're right. floor general and like that competition of fighting, you know, cause Shay and I had two different styles of being a point guard and for her to see the wherewithal of that shift for me, and then asking, inviting me to let her invest into me and then teaching me, like, I don't know if you remember, like I was there before shoot around, after shoot around. And, you know, we would run almost every day because we were roommates at that time in the summer and we would run and try to do the mile and just, and even, you know, she held me to a different standard and not because I, I want to say this, I say this in a way that because she saw my potential. It's like the 630 mm-hmm. mile, I could have, yogged it yeah and I was and she's like that's not good enough you need to get below that and so she was like you need to get 610 and what she did was help me see my potential and that Mm -hmm. I was a lot faster I was a lot more athletic than I gave myself credit for and she saw that in me and I I broke sub six because of that and Mm -hmm. I would have I would have just coasted but that's Mm -hmm. the talent of somebody like coach Sue an adult in your life that is giving you all these tools in your bucket. And I didn't, again, I didn't even realize a lot of that was happening of the discipline of doing what, you know, to me now, still to this day, I don't want to lie. Part of that was my lesson as my freshman. And I want to be a person that does what they said they're going to do. And if I can't, I'm honest about where I can't do it. Right. Yeah. So like example, going back to that piano class, I skipped because I just didn't want to go, but like, say if I didn't feel good, of like having the conversation of being honest of like, I can't go to this because of this, right. Of like being accountable to myself instead of running from the conflict instead of, and I think that's what I liked about coach Sue too. She made us face our conflict. She made us look at it and with comprehensive eyes and to -hmm. to make us take ownership to where we are part of that in this story as well. Well, and I think she saw in you, your need for that. You know what I mean? And your need for that type of, of interaction. Cause she did, she, um, 
I think you had some around basketball specifically some confidence issues when we were in college and for sure needing, you know and not needing that like mm, you could do it you know kind of thing you know but needing that like listen get it together like you can do this you mm-hmm. need to do this here's now the standard that I want you to do because mm-hmm. you worked hard you always, you know you did and you were going to meet that regardless she just had to you know make it different and make it harder than other people um and so that's you know and pulling you into that so that you could see with like tangible evidence that like yes you are better than you think you are look at what you've now just done Mm. um and i I never even thought about that till now yeah and i and that but that's the thing and that's where like like i hope and what i want to do for people too um because I think she she knew that you could live up to that and she knew that I because we live together and we're going to come to the gym together that then she gave me similar higher standards too like I think my mile time was like um seven minutes and like for a lot of other posts it was 7 30 or 7 40 um and then I ended up beating it at like 645 which I've never done again in my life but (laughs) (laughs) um but I think you know that ability to recognize that like that's I don't know like that's I don't know if that's a rare gift like I want that (laughs) to be able to help mentor other people but I think I think that it's definitely something that you needed I think we all need she just has this like weird like than to be able to mm-hmm. 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 and knowing that like this is this goes beyond just like a basketball season you yeah. know what I mean because mm-hmm. um, I think about that too like I wake up and go to the gym in the morning and some people are like how can you go so early and I'm like I, I just did it for like four years like I didn't think about it it was just expected mm-hmm. you know Hated we started it. we Hated had to start <laughs> stretching we were required to start stretching 15 minutes before practice mm-hmm. well practice starts at six but it's really 545. So we're like, well, shit, we got to get there at like five. Yeah. The trainer, like, you get to the um, trainer, you got to do treatment, you got to get, you know, put your, you got to go get your stuff from the laundry. Yeah. You got to freaking wake up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> got to get ourselves there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, but I think that's also where you build um, discipline and discipline kicks in when motivation is lacking. Oh, you I love just, that. Mm-hmm. You just, do it because you're disciplined enough to do it and you know that motivation is going to mm-hmm. you know rise and fall and that your discipline is what carries you through all of that and that mm-hmm. those you know three of the four years that we had her um you know were so key to that um and building that and like now look at us you know well we have the discipline to work out and do that it's just like this daily part of our lives that we do yeah so much yeah. so that if I don't, I don't feel like a person. Like so much so that, you know, I, you know, that's the other thing about the discipline. I love that, that, how'd you say the motivation? Say that again, one more time. So your discipline is going to carry you through when your motivation's lacking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the discipline is what actually help you create habits. And mm-hmm. so once you get to the habit phase, it's no longer discipline and it's no longer motivation. It is part of the value system of who you are. So mm-hmm. like, I bet this is probably true for you. There's days you don't want to work out. There yeah. just is. Mm-hmm. But you know what you do anyway? You work mm-hmm. out. 
And I'm saying this not because I'm trying to make other people feel guilty and shame. What I'm saying is that those things implanted in us something that I know I innately need regardless. Because if I don't work out, I'm a shittier person. Mm -hmm. I ADD starts kicking in. I'm not focused. I can't do what I need to do in my daily work. Um, I get really antsy. I'm probably more prone to look at my phone, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you, if you start to look at these little habits that you have throughout your day, you know, again, the motivation part and being engaged, being engaged mm -hmm. in something that matters. So maybe it isn't, you know, lifting weights. Maybe it's going for a walk with your dog. Mm -hmm. It's swimming. Maybe it's skateboarding. I don't know. Do you, but whatever it is, find it yeah. because that's where you should find your joy. Yeah. Well, that was me this morning. I had zero motivation and I had to coach and I coached and I um, went and started doing my own workout and I got through like two exercises. And when my friend showed up and I haven't seen him in like months, he's in med school and was like on rotation. And so my hour that I was going to do stuff, I did stuff for half an hour. And then we sat and talked, but that was more, so much more important to me, but mm -hmm. I got up, I went to the gym, I was there and just being able to be there and keep that routine. I was like, all right, just means when you go to work, you're walking home. So you get a walk in like, you know, and because I'm the same way I get moody, mm -hmm. my joints actually end yep. up hurting and getting mm -hmm. sore. Cause I'm not moving around. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I usually can't sleep. Yeah, um, one hundred. I got to burn all the energy, or else I'm ah, all night. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that would surprise you, but <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, it's good to see some things haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> My poor partner. I'm 37, and I'm like, I I wake up in the morning and work out for an hour. I go for at least two or three walks a day to the beach, just to like in between projects, and then I surf after work. And even then, I'm still like, mm, like it. <laughs> vibrating ah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no that's the and you know I think just finding that routine and just like you know the gym makes me happy you know mm -hmm. I mean even if I'm just there coaching and I'm not working out because that like I'm forcing myself to have a rest day I just feel better knowing I'm getting up in that morning I'm keeping that routine um and I'm there and I'm around it and I'm helping people um and so yeah you just gotta like you just have to get a routine started. That's why I tell people like you just have to get started. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that every day you're going hard because you can't, like you mm -hmm. can't, you know, go to fatigue and failure every day. It's just, it's not healthy, yeah. but you do something and you keep that routine going. Even if it's, mm -hmm. you go in and you sit on a rower and you row for 45 minutes, like you did something. You showed and, up. Yeah. And, that's and, a, and you didn't just show up to a workout. You showed up for yourself. You showed exactly. up for the reason why you're doing it to begin with is for you to feel mm -hmm. good about you. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's a win for the day. I tell my classes that too. Like I'll go around and be like, how are you feeling about this workout? What are you going to do? And some people are like, I just don't feel great. And I'm like, I'm happy you're here. We can do whatever we can modify anything we need to, so that you feel good about what you did. And then we'll call it a win and we'll come back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing. You show up, you keep that routine and you do something mm -hmm. and then that's going to take you far. Mm -hmm. And on that day, you didn't feel good. That's still your hundred percent exactly. for that day. Like just because it, it, it wasn't your max effort and you PR'd doesn't mean it wasn't a hundred percent effort. You know, mm -hmm. maybe your hundred percent effort was literally just showing up and, you know, I, I mean, I can speak to this. I've been in places where a bad breakup 
And you're like, I have nothing in me. I'm just going to sit on this bike mm -hmm. and probably troll text messages and pictures <laughs> and be sad, but I'm just going to be on this bike and I showed up. Right. And that's just what I need for today. And that's my hundred percent. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. you know, life happens, you know, we, we lose a loved one or we lose a job or we have to move and we aren't ready. Like there's so many things we're also, I think we need to honor. We're grieving a lot all the time. We're grieving yeah. the idea of who we should be, the mm -hmm. idea of what everybody else said we should be, who mm -hmm. we're becoming. The idea of things like, you know, I set my life up to be a college basketball coach, did it for two years. It's like, nope, 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 nope. This is not for me. And I had to let go of that. Seven years of my life education, like time, mm -hmm. and I had to let it go. And yeah. we're always grieving something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you're grieving the life that you had pictured for yourself. Mm -hmm. I've been there. Like I had to grieve this life that like I started and put together and was like, you know, holding out for and building. And that's hard. Yeah. And we're constantly doing that, you know, you, and this is where I've really had to think about being more present. Um, and not constantly thinking about, okay, in five years, well, now my barometer is 40. So I'm like, all right, well, well and you know, like three and a half years, <laughs> what, you know, what is, what does 40 look like? And I'm like, can you just stop and just like, let's live today and let's live this week. And we can figure that out later as we go, because if you're constantly living in that future, you're completely missing everything that's around you right now. Um, so that's one of the things I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Be more present. Being more present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think letting go of the idea of 42. I don't know if you felt this way, but like, <laughs> um, I just, my idea of 30 and what 30 is, is not the same thing. Like I thought in some ways, like 30 was like this place where you need to have the house and married and just all these like mm -hmm. things. And just, I'm starting to realize I, the third, my thirties have been the best years of my life, quite frankly, mm -hmm. you know, I'm grateful for everything else, but like, I feel connected in ways that are like this, where we're having, where I'm having more conversations like this. I'm less afraid to have conversations like this. I'm less afraid that if someone doesn't want to have a conversation like this, it doesn't mean I'm broken right. or that there's something wrong with them. And, um, how much goodness comes with time and oh, yeah. uh, even like my parents, my relationship with my parents, like you're talking about coaches being harder on us as we get older. And like, I think about some of the things my parents did and um, you just have a different lens from where they were coming from. Like I think about, you know, they were raising kids. They like, but I was already in high school at this point at 37. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine our middle school. I can't imagine having three middle schoolers. What? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> but think about it. Like, I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what to do with, especially now, having a middle schooler with Instagram and TikTok and trying to help Ooh. them navigate a social realm. Keep them safe. Keep your daughter safe. Ah, like, that's so stressful. <laughs> 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 Emo, our parents were like just be back by dark let me know if you know yeah. here's a quarter if you need to make a call on the payphone no you call collect and then in yeah the yeah part, you pick, me say, up. Oh, pick me up 
Um, so to wrap up, um, I know you mentioned like being present, something that you're working on right now. Is there anything yeah. else you're working on or can you say more about being present of what that means and what that looks like in your everyday life? Yeah. Um, so a part of this whole sort of um, personal journey of really figuring out who I am um, is figuring out a lot of my habits and, and mm-hmm. views that I've held that have held me back. And one of those in particular in relationships that's affected me a lot has been um, that I have always assumed that the way that I give love and the way that I receive love is just how everyone does it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which we know there's love languages. Everyone, yeah. You know, different. And so a lot of my former relationships, I, you know, would end up resenting people because I'm like, why are you not doing these things? that of course I have not communicated. Um, In your head. <laughs> right, because that's who we are as, you know, 20 year olds and whatnot. Um, and so I'm aware of this now and I, in my current relationship and, um, you know, obviously um, we see and give and receive love very differently and um, who I'm being is very independent and he is very logical in the way he thinks, doesn't need a lot of like, you know, words of affirmation, things like that. So what I'm trying to do and recognize in myself is really saying, okay, what are the ways in that he does show how he feels? Because mm-hmm. it's different than I show. And I know that, but really trying to be present in thinking, um, what is, like, is this a way that he is telling me how he feels without telling me, you know, and all the ways that we do that for people. Mm-hmm. And so trying to be more present in, this is happening, <laughs> you know, let's be appreciative. Let's speak our appreciation. Um, and let's reinforce that we do appreciate and thank these people for showing us this way. So for example, went to his hometown this past weekend and, you know, for the first time. And, you know, I had to really, to me, I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Like going to a new place. Let's like explore. And I had to really stop and be like, is this him showing me a piece of his life from childhood? Is this a way that he's inviting me into an even deeper part of who he is? And I need to make sure that I really tell him, like, I really appreciate you inviting me. This, you know, I had a good time, which I did. Um, and being more present in that this is, this could be a way that he's telling me. So being more present and really you know, not being narrow-minded about the way that people show up for you. Oh, God, yeah. When it looks different than the way that you show up for people. And so really trying to be more present and conscious and like when things are happening internally going, okay, slow down. Mm -hmm. Let's think about like, is this a way that they're showing up for you and showing you something and you need to reaffirm this and really do show your appreciation and that, you know, that you do, um, feel special for them inviting you into this part of them. So that's sort of what I'm working on. And just so, and it's also a good way for me to just like kind of slow down and not to be like, oh my God, this is great. Woo. And being like, okay, <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's current work. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, Shakespeare said that uh, the killer of all relationships is expectations. Yeah. And I think that narrow-mindedness, that's something I'm, you know, especially with my family, probably learned it. I think I learned relationally 
like intimate relationship first of like love languages because I was trying to understand I know this person loves me I know I love them but what is the disconnect when we're trying mm-hmm. to communicate that you know and then the something that I've learned is what you're describing with my parents of like when someone says be careful that means I love you mm-hmm. when my mom makes me something that I don't even eat anymore from when I was seven <laughs> is because she loves me. And, you know, I think it's really easy to get caught up in, why don't you see me now? See me now. Mm-hmm. And that's their own journey. And it's, again, going back to that, like, how do I stand true in what is now and what is true for somebody else too? And like, I, I often think about for our parents, them grieving. Mm-hmm. Because we're always going to be their kids, right? Right. It doesn't stop for them. And we're no longer there. You yeah. know, they don't see us every day. Yeah. And I wonder oftentimes like that, like making me a thing that I don't even eat. Like, is that just an offering, right? To reconnect. I don't know how else to do it, but here's this, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if a lot of people feel this way. Um, maybe it's the, I told you about that book, the Straddlers, the, the people that left home mm-hmm. where you're, seems like you're standing in two places at one time. And I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I just wonder how many times we're trying to force them to see what is and just, you know, realizing they might not ever. Mm-hmm. And that's no, really hard yeah. too. I feel that I constantly feel like they still see me as the 18 year old that left college because I didn't really ever come back for a long period of time. Mm. Um, And so sometimes I do get frustrated where I'm like, why, like, just like quite a bit picky things. Like why, why are you doing this this way? And I'm like, I'm literally 36 years old. Like, I think I know I've I've figured out how to do this. And I'm like, (laughs) they still see me from that time that I lived with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always lived some distance away. I didn't live close and they don't see, you know, they see me bits and pieces throughout the year. Um, and I think that's hard for me to reconcile. Cause yeah, it's like, see me like for this adult that I am now. And I probably fail to appreciate all those things all the time. Like I tell people all the time, when I go home, my parents only have basically salami and cheese in the refrigerator. I'm like, do you guys eat anything else? <laughs> um <laughs> But we ate salami all the time as kids. And my mom's like, oh, there's salami in the fridge for you if you want some. And I'm like, I don't even need salami. But you're right. I think it's that a way to connect with who, you know, the version of you that they know and that they have known. Yeah. Um, I think what's yeah. interesting too about us, um, our generation, again, is pushing the envelope to wanting a relationship that I don't think our parents had with their parents. And so what I think Mm. we're seeing is what they saw from their parents and they don't know what to do with what we're showing, modeling, Mm -hmm. and what we want and ask. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? That makes total sense to me. Like, I often find myself so frustrated because I want to call my mom every day. I want to call my dad every day. I want to talk to them. I want to hear their day. Mm -hmm. But it feels like I'm that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the salami, right? It's like, uh, yeah. yeah, I went to work and, you know, and I think about, you know, our grandparents and how 
they didn't leave jobs. You stayed at mm-hmm. the same job. And this idea that you owed somebody something and, you know, we're all like, no, y'all owe us something. And I <laughs> am worth more than what you're paying me. And just, I'm interested, and I'm sorry to drag this out, but like, I, I am interested in how do we invite our parents to be in relationship with us in a way that they still feel connected mm-hmm. and they don't have to give themselves up. Yeah. But that they can also do the same for us and that we aren't nine anymore. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting because I think I do get stuck in that. Like, I feel that same way where I'm like, see me for like this developed person that I am, um, but not knowing how to communicate that. Yeah. And I think that's just a conversation to make, right? Because a lot of people don't change until they're aware that there's something missing. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or available. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting concept. I, because I absolutely agree with you. How do, how how do you break that sort of generational, just kind of habit of yeah. you, your relationships are modeled so much after your parents because that was the mm. first relationship you saw. Right. Yeah, and like letting them know, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you did bad. I don't think you didn't love me. Right. We could totally do this different. Right. In a way that serves us both. Yeah. In a lot better of a way. And we can have a much more enriching yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this was awesome. Um, <laughs> so to, to wrap up, um, do you want to share, you know, social media or nonprofit or both that you want to share with the listeners? Sure. I mean, my Instagram is not super exciting, uh, but it's my handle is pface21. Um, <laughs> still haven't still haven't changed that um hoffy toffee on my other one <laughs> <laughs> i love that um but a lot of stuff about working out and just general life things so i'll put thoughts on there but i would say um definitely definitely because i'm an animal lover please 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 donate to your local shelters mm-hmm. um so many um companies are making it so much easier Amazon smile. Um, they donate, you know, I know Amazon has its own thing, but at least if you're going to do it, go through smile.amazon.com and pick a local organization. Um, and, and definitely, you know, I think some of the other bigger ones I donate to are the Trevor project. That's one that's super important to me too. And any local sort of youth athletic programs, um, definitely support those. So my little, Dick. I don't know how many Baltimore people will be <laughs> listening. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I am. Sh- I thought this, I didn't know if anybody was going to like this. And I was shocked to fi- find there's a reason why you're drawn to it, right? There's a reason why you want to connect with people in a way. And I'm blown away by the data of who's listening, like blown away. I was like, maybe I'll just be my friends. <laughs> and that's it. And then like, you know, full transparency, like connecting, you know, I didn't know if you'd be interested or not. And we hadn't talked like legit on the phone that we did via text, but we hadn't like gone into it since probably Mm -hmm. we were roommates really Mm -hmm. when we were 22 years old. I mean, that's a lot of time. So you don't know how someone's going to show up. You know, you don't even know if they're going to be interested. They'd be like pissed off Jen. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, 
So thank you. Thank you for sharing the space with me and being on Flexus with me and sharing your story and your journey of authenticity and becoming the best version of you because I really do believe we we are walking each other home. I really believe mm-hmm. that. And when we can oh, share, that. Um, we're finding ways to do that for each other. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for asking me. This is always a delight catching up with you. You. Hey, y'all, I just wanted to do a quick reflection after my conversation with Laura, uh, P-Face, if you will. Um, I feel utterly grateful and feel very emotionally humbled and grounded right now. And so to give you all a little bit of a context, so, you know, that that conversation that we had this this episode, uh we, you know, we ended it and then we took, we talked for another like hour or two. And it was like when we were roommates and we'll go on and on about stuff until late at night and be like, oh shit, we have to get up at 4.30 for practice or something. And um, one, I'm grateful that there's this place, this, this root of belonging. And yet we went our own separate adult paths And we don't always get to meet up with those people again and see where we still connect. And I feel so grateful and humbled in that because, you know, full transparency, I didn't know what to expect. I haven't talked to a lot of people from college, not because anything bad can happen. Like I said before, it's just, we go our own ways and some people have kids, some people moved, some, some people had kids and moved and then did it again. And just, you know, life is hard and we have a lot going on and I didn't know what this conversation would be like. You know, I haven't sat down one-on-one on the phone with P in years. You know, we talked and catch up via Instagram and text here and there, but having a conversation and looking somebody in the eye and, you know, to give you all context via Zoom, this is how I record so I can see people and we can interact and they can see me and I can look them in the eyes. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you have this root place of belonging that you, you know, we talk about this in the podcast that you, you know, you shared this experience in, and yet that experience doesn't define you and, and you don't want it to be the only reason you have connection. And I was a little bit afraid. I didn't know what it'd be like to have somebody that I was so close with reconnect and what if, what if we we couldn't do that. And I'm not surprised that we did. Obviously, I wouldn't have, um, I mean, we ended up talking for like three or four hours. So, you know, that, that that's not what was surprising to me. But something that we talked about at the end of our conversation, which I wish we would have recorded, is the fear of that. The fear of trying something new and doing something different, of maybe having a conversation like P and I had tonight versus let's just only talk about basketball. We could have just talked about basketball, which we did a lot, obviously, but we also talked about the ways that we never thought about who it helped us become, where it shows up in our life now. And that's where I, I'm finding myself really interested in is the life that of when I met people in periods of my life, chapters in my life, how do I affirm where we shared that space and yet see the potential of what we're becoming and, you know, I told her fully, tra- like, once we got offline, um, I'm going to be transparent here, you know, 
I don't love a lot of who I was in my 20s. I was avoidant of, you know, very afraid of shame. I didn't have a lot of tools to communicate clearly and handle conflict the way that I do now. And I'm sure I, I've, you know, I think about the impact and the potential harm I might have done. And maybe that's what maybe drag my feet and be a little bit afraid to have this conversation with Panazzo. But um, I think we all kind of have that. I think that's true from the other side of, you know, someone trying to reach out and connect and um, to see who you were and then what you became and also at the same time where you're going. And that's really hard. You know, we, we do kind of live in this polarized, very absolute way we see each other and, and it's not for the benefit, you know, it segregates us. And there's, you know, there's places where that, that is true that we just don't share the same belief systems. And, um, I just feel really grateful to be able to have this conversation and to see the way that one place connected us, time might've separated us. And yet at the same time, we're both trying to learn the same things about ourselves and then have it impact the way we love other people and show up in the world. And to me, this is, this conversation with Panazza was that reflection of what I hope this podcast will do for y'all that'll invite you to maybe, you know, look at the ground you're standing in and where, where you came from that brought you there and what it feels like to belong in two separate places, to have a story of, you know, who I was at 20 be my full truth. And yet at the same time, who I am at 37 is also my full truth. And what can I do to do better moving forward? So I feel very full, um, grounded and grateful for this conversation and grateful to have the opportunity to look at, you know, my past and having Panazzo have a set of eyes of, of being a roommate and teammate and classmate of what it was like to see things and to give her version in her thirties of the interpretation of what we saw, what we were doing and, um, and to learn more about her side, you know, like that rebounding thing. I know that might not sound like a big deal if you're not an athlete, but I literally never thought about that. I just always thought it was like, oh, we're shooting around. I never considered the fact that because we played together so much, what that would teach her to do about reading to how I shoot, the timing of how I shoot, that's such a little thing, but that's relationship. That's being relentless and understanding the detail of a person. And it shows that that's what she's doing in her everyday life and is continuing to do so from when we were 20 years old and now meeting up talking in our almost 40s, which is so wild to me. But anyway, yeah, I just, it's lovely to see how we, kind of are who we always are and yet are always becoming um, in the way people show up and stay and come and go and come back and just how I just I'm, I'm, I'm literally just all of life right now. So I'm on a rambling rant right now and I, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and just say thank you to Laura for being willing to be curious and get into conversation with me again to share her story and how she's unpacking being present and um, relationships with family and partner and self 
and being so transparent with y'all and thank y'all for being here and listening. Um, I don't take it for granted that you choose, you choose to spend your time investing into ways you can do better and be more curious and show up for the, yourself and the people around you. So thank you. Um, as always, you can shoot me an email. Let me know how this conversation impacted you and what you learned and what you took away from it. And you can do that at flexuspodcast at gmail.com. And the other option is you can drop me a voice memo on the Anchor page, uh, anchor.fm forward slash flex this. There is a little voice memo. You click the tab, it records, sends to me. And I'd love to hear your voice. I'd love to hear what you're taking away. So thank you for being here. Um, thank you for being on this journey and take care of yourself because the more you take care of yourself, the more you'll be able to take care of the world around you. And like I said, we're all walking each other home. And I think that's a gift of this, of these types of conversations. So, all right, y'all, I'll see y'all on the flip side.